Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show. Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Good evening, everybody. Just after 8 o'clock on, I think he said Thursday, for no apparent reason there. This is Series 16, Episode 30, and I nearly said the wrong day. It's been a funny old week. It really has. Hello and welcome to Midweek Motorsport. Uh, as I've just mentioned, it is Series 16, Episode 30, Wednesday the 28th of July. And we still haven't had them on, but it's getting closer getting much closer um, we'll be giving you some news more news about Le Mans in this programme I'm sure tonight things beginning to get exciting are you excited about Le Mans yet? it's a bit too far away isn't it? it really is particularly if you're not travelling and none of us are <laughs> let's, be, let's be honest uh, Tim Gray is up in London and contributing tonight contributing tonight um, what have you what sort of a week have you had this week Tim? Well, I was very, very pleased that we uh, didn't have any live racing last weekend uh, because it meant I could plan a lovely, relaxing weekend in the garden. Unfortunately, the uh, changeable weather put paid to that, so I went outside and then had to come inside and then went outside and then I came inside and then went outside and then I came inside and then went outside. It was just like being in a Formula E race. Very good. I thought you were going to say it was rather like Max Verstappen driving down a straight. Um, there we go. Uh, Formula E, we will be discussing tonight. The man who knows all on uh, the ABB Formula E FIA World Championship is Sam Smith uh, from The Race, among other things. He'll be joining us in the first hour. Try not to talk about York City Football Club. Um, probably get around that somehow. I think. Uh, and Did they have a good pa- win this weekend, York? Uh, they uh, had a cracking draw against Sunderland. We had to scrap to get ones each against them. They scored first. What uh, What else do we have on a packed programme tonight, Tim? Uh, we have all the usual features, and as well as Sam Smith, we'll be joined by Shay Adam and Nick Ooh. Damon. Uh, we'll have some sports car news, quite a lot of sports car news. Uh, we have some American news. We have some... Uh, bike news, and we'll have some Formula One news, so we'll get a hooray later. And our sports car news brought to you tonight by uh, Visit Cayman Islands. Would love to. And, uh, yes, I know. If, if we say it enough, honestly, the, uh, and uh, towards the end of the show tonight, on at Radio Le Mans on Twitter, and probably on the collective as well, I'm sure. And I've just realised I forgot to post anything about the show tonight in the collective because Nick and I were too busy gossiping downstairs over our merguez. Um, the responsible adult is going to post a poll for the menu next week for some Cayman Island cuisine. 
next week, and the choice will be left to the listener. And I'm, I'm, I, I have no clue what the choices are going to be, but there will be a poll both on the collective and on Twitter later on this evening. I imagine it's going to be a lot of seafood. Oh, in fact, the the menu has voting has already started. Says the responsible uh, adult. Oh yes, I see. Um, on the collective, uh, uh, it is uh, number one lobster with hot sauce. Mm-hmm. Number two fish fish fritters, and number three jerk chicken. Yeah. Or, like, really fancy a fish fritter. A, 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 a fish fritter. Yeah. yeah. All absolutely. things are uh, very. Caribbean uh, themed. Yes, I actually absolutely. had some lovely, uh, um, uh, what are they called? They were not that the, good that what, you could remember what they were. In French, they're called coquille. Um, y- you mean mussels? No. Uh, sorry, no. Um, coquille are. Um, yes, you don't know them either. Oh, man, in the big. No, the big one. No, the big one. Johnny Palmer likes them. You often have them with a cauliflower puree. Come on, Or black pudding. Um, Or black pudding, yes. Frizzle black pudding and coquilles. Sorry, the shellfish? Yes, the one in the big shell. Oh, uh, scallops. Scallops, well done. Nick Dearman gets the prize. No, I didn't. Your your wife just printed that for us. Right, thank goodness. I'm just the best at reading. Excellent, well done. Scallops, then. Uh, Right, anyway. We've waffled on uh, too much about that, but it is uh, lobster with hot sauce, fresh fritters, fresh fish fritters, fritters, fritters uh, on a fresh fish, uh, uh, or jerk chicken, one, two, and three, uh, at radiolamont.com or on the collector. Brisk voting, I'm told already. Um, hello to Blue, uh, Blur Fiend. Um, Blur, our thoughts are with you. Uh, I know you've had a, a death in the family earlier this week. Thanks for tuning in. The collective is there for you. We're, you're all in our thoughts, all of you and you and all of your family, all right? Thanks for tuning in tonight. I know it's a difficult time for you. Richard Robbins, looking forward to RC Racing, not having to talk about lap one, turn nine incident, along with all of you. Well, do you know what? Od- oddly, oddly, uh, the Sim Racing Bar Stewart's listening live while trying to improve his personal best around the 1977 Ring in a Lotus 72E in Automobilista 2. What a fantastic circuit. Oh, yes. Spending the evening with my mum, says Right Turn Lover, and hoping to be able to catch up on the podcasts. I'm a couple of casts behind now. That's all right. That really is uh, all right. Uh, Jake Parrott, AFAs, ever since I was a young boy, I've dreamed of catching up on the podcast on a Thursday, driving a wee while to pick up vegetables from my niece's farm. Well, that sounds nice, a nice trip. So what are vegetables, Jake? Let us know. The Colonel, no AFAs tonight, submitting... His petition for an appeal to penalise the show 10 seconds for a late start last week. Yours sincerely, Christian Horner. Yes, I think we're going to have a lot of those. A lot of those tonight. Uh, hello to Brody. Uh, congratulations on the uh, engagement last week. And she said yes. There was a proposal in the Scottish Islands. And uh, it was in the affirmative. And said preparing for the weekend Silverstone Classic. Uh, see you there. As I've got no work this weekend, I'm going out racing. Because obviously staying away from a racetrack two weeks in a row would be wrong. Uh, Tip of Christopher, 
Listening live for the first time in a year, live in New Zealand. Listening while studying for my software development degree. Uh, science, I, I will say I'm tired of hearing about a certain energy drink morning, about a certain crash, which was certainly deemed uh, and de- delivered a decision on by the stewards. Uh, Tim Walkenhorst, Valkenhorst, sorry, Wednesday night in the UK. Being Specky Tim, as far as we're concerned. Hello to Alex Orkin, washing up after a nice lasagna. Kevin Payne listening live tonight. Torrential rain has delayed packing the car for the weekend at Silverstone Classic. Earlier start than tomorrow. I'm testing tomorrow, so I'll be there. Uh, hello to Stephen, who's just been sending me loads and loads of Porsches, which are actually for sale and able to be bought, which was one of the conversations we were having earlier on today. Chris Suku, just getting back after a day at the studio, like snack and settling in for the show. Jonathan Main listening live tonight. Uh, Dave Alcock uh, and Loft Metallic, a long-time podcast listener. Going to enjoy the show while working under a car. You have to tell us what car. You're working under something. At Betutainment. David Two Bruce listening live for the first time in a good few weeks. Hello to the collective. And what else have we got uh, as well? Simon Hoff finally back to listening live this week. Um, no spoil out of no spoiler mode after catching up with all the racing in the last few weeks. Sarah Rigby uh, is listening in tonight. So is Patrick Ardron and uh, Serafina tuning in now. Good company for another long night of work. Alan Prosser, uh, jerk chicken, surely a description of Piers Morgan. That might be the tw- tweet of the night so far. And finally on this tranche, Doug Amner, no AFAs, he's listening live in the bath. I can't not see that now, Doug. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. Other Somerset towns are available. Yes. Uh, very good. Uh, Tim Gray. Very good. Tim Gray, even as we speak, uh, is shuffling some obscure story to the top of his pile for the top story uh, in our news tonight. Or oh, how we've missed uh, the, the ability to... I'll bring Nick in on this as well. To, yes. to talk about obscure single seat of formula yes, with five all entries. All sorts of... Uh, Small second-hand things made by Tatters in 1987 that have been running around in obscure circuits, probably in the low countries. Almost certainly. So what's our top, top story tonight, Tim? We're going to start with retirement. Oh, Do you remember okay. when uh, Mark Martin retired? Yes, he was 52, and then came back for half a season. He then came back and did another two years, I think. Oh, more than half a season, okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, some, someone else whose uh, first name and surname start with the same letter uh, is Carl Crutchlow, and oh, right. he retired yes. at the end of last season. Well, he retired so to become a test rider. How, how's he spending his uh, next few well, months? Well, for the next three races, he'll be replacing Frankie Morbidelli uh, at the Petronas SRT Yamaha MotoGP oh, team really? because Frankie's had an, he can't shake off his knee injury. Oh, yeah. So they're giving him plenty of time because obviously Frankie will be promoted to the main team next year after Maverick Vinales was that has that, left. Was that that one that he got that looked relatively innocuous? It was a re-aggravation of an existing problem. He was right. on the cusp of needing um, an operation and then he did the worst thing he possibly did. Just sort of, I think re-jarred it. It's probably way worse than that. And it's now. Joe Bradley will tell you all about dislocated knees. Yes. Your shoulder man. Yeah, Bradley's um, name. I'm a shoulder man. It's not and thing. me and your wife ankles. That's it. Well, you know, poor, poor, poor Rachel. Yeah. Mm. Um, yes. Yeah, so anyway, yes. Yeah, so he's come back as the replacement, which is which is more interesting in its um, who they've not chosen. 
Um, well, before we move on to that, of course, hmm? this is not his first time on a Yamaha because uh, 10 years ago he was racing them then. Yes, before his very long uh, uh, runs at, uh, well, short run at Ducati and long run at uh, Honda. Yeah, he's a, he's, I mean, the thing about Cal is Cal is a good racer, a very good racer, a little bit um, crash or, or do well. Uh, and of course, the crashing got the better of him, didn't it? And he basically the same compound injury, kind of injury, and certainly last year, he just constantly injured himself, including tripping over a paddock um, support bit of thing. In, in the, actually, did he did his ankle in the paddock rather than on the track? falling a piece of equipment so he's oh, uh, yes, he's right. had several months now to actually get better whilst doing a lot of testing um a bit of a running theme about testers getting a, a call up after a supposedly retiring uh, he'll be joining uh, danny pedroza on the grid for the next race in um in austria uh yeah it's so a double header in austria kid. yeah it is it's, right. i can't remember if it's austria styria or styria i think i think this one goes styria austria i think okay um but it's the same track they don't even they, yeah Exactly. Um, so, yeah, he's come back, and, and the Yamaha decided the best person to have on the bike is, is Cal. Um, and, I said that, and I said, Tim, they had other options, but decided against them. I, th- yeah. I think there was a contractual issue with one of those options, wasn't there? Which one? Uh, Garrett Gerloff. No, well, well basically, they're, they're, they're both Cause, their Because he was choices. committed to racing in a different championship. On well, the, no, the, exactly the point is that they, they could have had Garrett in a couple of the races, but as with uh, Top Rack... Raz Gatti off. Oh, Raz Gatti off, Lou. Honestly, I need, if I can't read it, I can't do it. Top rack, anyway. Um, they both have recently, but re- both have a clashing mo- uh, w- WSB race. It, not the first week, the second week of the uh, Austrian leg. Um, and also, of course, they have both uh, subsequently re-signed uh, medium-term contracts to continue in World Superbike. So they're not actually looking to go into uh, MotoGP. And, um, of course, irony, of course, irony, uh, with that particular announcement, John, is they actually managed to collide with each other in the final race at, at uh, Ascent the weekend. I, I, uh, listen, it was very embarrassing for everybody. I felt sorry for Gerloff. He was starting far, much further up the field than he normally would do because he had a good result in, got, the, got, in the sprint no, race. He got, he got done for track limits, didn't he, in qualifying or something. So he Correct, so he was way back. Dead last. Yeah, and he, he rode up and then he got to, I think he was eighth, in eighth yeah. at the last... At the, on the start line for the last race, he had a really good start. He came up the inside. He did. It's not as if he lost the front end and fell off and careered into his teammate. He was going up the inside. I think he would have made the corner. He did not fall off, but he clipped. It was it was it, that inside outside thing. And in motorcycles, it's just as contentious as it is in cars. It's difficult for the guy on the outside to see. There's no mirrors. Mm. So you're tipping in, and if there's somebody already there and you hit his front wheel, it's almost always the guy on the outside that goes down. Yeah, um, yeah, and it wasn't as black and white as they made it out. He got a big penalty. Of course, it's not the first time he's done that because he took out Michael Rubin Rinaldi didn't he, a couple of rounds ago, and didn't he have a, He almost took Johnny Ray out in the. He did. You know, at Estoril as well. So he's, he's been a little bit wild on that front, has Garrett, but he's also been very, very quick. So it's a, a case we need a little bit of a, a, of a rain back. But of course, it didn't. It, it, it meant that, of course, it was kind of an equaliser for Johnny's mistake at Donington. It wasn't a mistake by Top Rack, he was just unlucky. So they both got a no score. And so on the back of a triple win for Johnny Ray at Assen, the Cathedral of Speed. I do like Assen as a circuit. It's good. We should have a trip there on the bikes when Assen, we can go to Belgium again. Um, but 
so I think he's won 14 races now at Assam, which is a new record for for an individual uh, track. But he's now extended, I think, up to about 37 points, isn't it? So it's it's come back again. We are not still not halfway through the season actually. Um, but top rack, all that that great progress he made at Donington was was wiped out. It was going he was going to be behind anywhere because Johnny had a, this is a good track for for Johnny, but he obviously getting zero points rather than you know 20 which he probably would have got for a second has caused a major issue for uh for top rack for the championship but he is committed to world superbikes for many many years um so neither of those guys are going to be a motor gp and because of that cal crutch has taken over that uh reserve ride it makes a very very interesting um racing in Stewart with the danny and cal carl both back and uh hopefully uh mark with several more weeks of uh proper physio and you know body repair when you can done it properly in the own in the gym it'd be interesting to see how he comes moves forward uh so uh thank you morbidelli will be back at mizano and uh track isn't it and what else will be back at mizano oh i don't know tell me is it is it dovi uh, no, uh, we're talking about a different race at Mizano. Uh, no, oh, we're not. not no, we are talking <laughs> no, about no, Motor no, GP no. at Mizano. Uh, it'll be fans. Ah, ah. Oh, we see. We, I've, I've already what got a great, what a done, great track to have all, them back we've, at. We've all done fans already. We haven't done Silverstone, 140,000 people a day, or however many it actually was. So, okay, yeah. I thought, I thought fans were, were yeah. You forget that different places are in different places as far as uh, opening up is concerned. Uh, so let's talk about um, Johnny Ray. Uh, yes. He won, and then he won, him. and then he won. And then he won again. And he didn't look troubled either. No, he didn't. He's, the, back, he's right back on the form, only, The only he? thing I would... I don't know if any of you watched the, the WSB uh, coverage. I did feel that... The, first of all, I thought James Tozen was really good. He, he, James Tozen was the expert, obviously ex, uh, ex-champion. And I thought he was really, really good. He got better He, he got better during the day as well. He was. He sounded a little bit... Not engaged at the mixed. start. I think he's a very soft-spoken guy. He's not yes. your typical. He's not your typical motorcycle racer in any yeah, way. Yeah. He's a concert pianist and everything else. But he got better. The only thing I would say is both he and the main commentator. Sorry, not sure what the guy is. Were way too obsessed with the tire compounds. They're on and on and about the tires. The tires. Oh, he's on the SCZ and the SCX and the SC. What? Oh, it's um. Oh my god! Oh. It's Kaz- It's Kaz's mate. Uh, oh, it'll come back to me. Yeah, but that was the only thing I would say. My about brain has got to stop working today. But um, yeah, so I think, yeah, so that so part of that was it was a it was a good good Greg weekend. Oh, there we go. It was a good weekend for the, uh, for, for for Johnny by far. It, it was just his. He was yeah. It was interesting. That it wasn't like a Kawasaki day because um, Alex Lowe's was nowhere most of the time, going True. backwards. Um, but I tell you what, though, false dawn. For BMW at Donington, wasn't it? They were back down to eighth and ninth again. Yeah, they're, they're, but they oddly—I know it sounds weird—but their eighth and ninth is a lot better than the eighth and ninth they're getting last year. That—that that is true. That is true. And they are as good as if you average. And I don't see that through blue Honda and white eyes because we're both white. Well, no, but yeah, they're—they're they're not on a par with they're the not. top three chassis. They're not. But they're not as far behind as they were. Okay, I'll but, buy that for a dollar. And so you, they have the outside chance of getting a fourth or a fifth rather than needing everyone to fall off to get a fourth and a fifth. Mm. True, true. Uh, we'll stay with bikes uh, for the next piece of news in a moment. I want to go through a few more uh, tweets. Uh, oh, Brody's with Car 77 in the BRDC 500. That's the national paddock at the weekend. Um, YouTube, Silverstone Classic Live, uh, by the way. It will be streamed on Friday and Saturday in sound and vision. 
and uh, I'm not commentating. I'm being shouted about, or hopefully not. Hopefully my name is never mentioned at all. Good uh, and a bad. Yeah, just quietly. Here in the middle of the pack, doing nothing. He's John yes, Hindorff. At yes. no point at for no the officer circuit or hitting anyone else. Or being hit by anybody. No, absolutely right. Uh, Stingy, what what colour is your car, John? Bright orange. <laughs> uh, bright so, yellow, excuse me. So it's not going to stand yellow. out at all, then? Well, there's... Qu- no. No. What are you? What, what is the class you're in? Is it like pre seventies? It's the it's, it's it's called the Yokohama Trophy. Uh, it's the last out on Friday for qualifying and the second last on Saturday for a two driver race. Oh, so you've and got a bit of uh, dusk action. Yeah, I think it's five to seven the race. So yeah, probably. And Snowy is out after me in the in the Aston Martin that he drives. He's the last race of the weekend. We're, I'm we're not down sure in people the, of um, his age should be allowed to drive in the dark. <laughs> He's um, younger than me. Uh, he never. Uh, we're, we're in the international. If you're at Silverstone at the weekend, we're in the international paddock. Um, it's the DW Racing Services, and it's the bright yellow number twenty-four Chevron B8 that I'm driving, and I'll be around there for most of uh, Friday and Saturday uh, because if I wander away, I'll get talking to people and I'll miss stuff. Yes, like. Yes. The start of the race. Yes. Uh, hello to Rob Chalmers, who's listening live. No longer doing training rides, uh, but looking at the amazing team, the mates, the amazing design that my teammates have come up for the team shirts and the livery ahead of Team Bernardo's 24-hour race next week. Kevin Payne says, I can't find spectatainment on the Endurance Legends. They won't let me loose in those cars. Um, actually, we've got three RSL voices racing at the weekend, at least three, because Alex Brundle's in the same race as me, although he's in a... I think he's in a Chevy engine spice, so he'll probably be going a bit quicker. Yes, he has a lot more power than BMW. you. That, and that's the only reason he's going quicker. Only reason <laughs> yeah. at all. Yeah. Alan Prosser reminds us before uh, the days, uh, even before the days we were talking about with Cal Crutchlow, in the back of the days of uh, Men and Mortis, he, run the, he ran a Yamaha in the Virgin Yamaha R6 Cup. Blimey. That's where he started. Men and Motors. We, we, we yes. We talked about screen sport next. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Why not? Why not? Uh, Sam Pierce says, uh, do I assume that Cal will have to use Morbidelli's 2019 bike? Yes. Yes. Right. So right. He, he can't use these races as a fake test session with uh, right. new parts because none of them will fit. Hmm. Right, okay. Uh, El Perry tuned in tonight, loud and clear on the West Coast, which is, of course, the best coast. Well, staying with more... Motor- is it Cornwall? Yeah. <laughs> staying with motorcycle news, where are we going next to? Uh, well, you mentioned Alex Lowe's, and uh, yes. he's got some news to celebrate. Right. Because he has a new contract uh, for at Kawasaki, which will keep oh, him okay. there until the end of 2023. Hmm. He's doing a full Valtteri Bottas, excellent. Yeah. Just carrying on being the uh, the uh, the less uh, able of the two Kawasaki riders. We are so happy to have Alex, and he is highly motivated <laughs> to continue with the KRT project, <laughs> said the team manager. He very much enjoys the paycheck and travelling around the world. Yes, well, why wouldn't you? No, hey, f- don't knock it, absolutely, 100%. Uh, I'm afraid uh, some sad news, of course, from... Uh, the motorcycle world at the weekend that the European Talent Cup rider Hugo Millian died of his injuries at Motorland Aragon, sustained at Motorland Aragon. Um, it's it's one of these things whereby everybody's jumped on the 
on the bandwagon about this because of his his age. But this is another crash, Nick. Um, tragic, absolutely. Lad had a big future. A lot of people are saying how good he was. This is pack racing again, as we've seen in in Moto3 uh, before. And, of course, it started the debate about whether... 14-year-olds yeah, should be racing I mean, on full-size bikes. Are two full-size sep- there are two separate debates here. The first one is, should you have 14-year-olds racing in on full-size circuits, 155 mile an hour but m- bikes in, in very close racing, when there are junior categories, much like karting, which they could be doing in the mini bikes and everything else. Uh, unfortunately, this is the third or fourth death and there have been many more serious injuries that happened recently with the, the one thing which you just can't do anything about in motorcycle racing, which is a rider having an accident or being involved in an accident and then get, getting run over by another rider Following who can't bike. get out of the way. I mean, yeah. we make the tracks as safe as we can, we make the, the, the helmets as safe as we can, we make the, the suits, airbags, but you, you know, you've still got 150 or 120 kilograms riding over you at X miles an hour, and, and obviously you know, the, crush, the crushing is, is very likely to happen. But as you said, John, the problem is that there's a number of the smaller engine formula these days which have turned into just pack races um, because the bikes aren't fast enough to break a toe and therefore you can't get away because yeah. everyone, everyone just, you know, even if you, if, you do, if you did a lap on your own and you're three quarters of seconds faster on your own, once you get in the pack, you're all stuck together. You can't break away. And then suddenly you've got 25 bikes in a chain or in a in a group covered by and if, the, if bike six has a, has a wobble knocks bike seven bike eight falls over there's now seventeen people who could hit him yeah. or her and this is the problem yeah. um, and and we should I mean we've talked about this before the amount of career ending injuries or career limiting injuries that have happened in bikes over the last few years since the introduction of air fences since the changes to tracks that motorcycles go on most often um, and bringing curb height down, but particularly with airbag suits. Helmet technology as well, but particularly with airbag suits. It's it's cut down those injuries massively. But what you can never, never, unfortunately, um, you can uh, never get out the way from is um, an an accident, exactly what we had. And, And young Hugo, a talented lad, second place in the championship, and this is a championship. It's part of the uh, Repsol CV uh, series that runs um, mainly in Spain. They've got so much motorcycling going on in Spain. And it is absolutely there to bring on new talent, which is what it was doing. But when you fall off and then get hit by somebody travelling at 100 mile an hour. It's not going to be good. Isn't it? No. And, but I think it's an interesting point you make, uh, John, is that it, you know the, the fact is that the injuries have... When injuries happen now, they move up the scale, don't they? Yes. Good point. You don't kind of get a minor injury anymore. You know, you, you, it's it's really, really serious. And unfortunately, the ultimate level of seriousness uh, over the weekend. I do think they're going to have to have a look at what they can do to mitigate it. There's a number of theories. Theory one is up the age limits, which would be difficult to do because of the... Uh, theory two, obviously, is you that, that reduce, ha- in fairness, reduce the number of bikes on the race. You can do that. You can have, have heats heat and, heat final. and finals, like karting. The, the, right, so number one, quite a lot of people, even parents and managers who are involved in that age of motorcycling. And we used to have Super Teen here, didn't we? Mm. And um, that's where Leon Haslam started. Um, and that, that's been mooted before. And generally speaking, it, it hasn't been shouted down by the people who are making money out of it. So if you shift it up to 16... Yeah, I, don't I mean, think, these I, kids I, can't I ride on the I road in most I don't places. Think, I don't think 
you should be riding in a, in a, on a motorcycle at a racetrack in racing conditions until you're 16. I don't think I think that, that's not unreasonable. There are kart-based track racing. You can get used to getting mini your bikes. knees down, mini bikes, all that sort of Massive thing. Massive in Italy, that. You know, you can do all that. You can get get the... But, you know, it's difficult. It's very difficult because there's a whole ladder developed already. Is it about the speed as well, though? Because these bikes are it's about the lack very of, quick. It's about the back of, lack of differential in speed. Right, That's okay. the problem. And, uh, so I, it's not I, the outright I, This speed. is not me. This is much more... Educated people in the in, have saying one of the problems is they actually oddly and counterintuitively to make them safer they need to be quicker. They need more power so they don't get stuck in these massive slipstreamers. Do they also need to have something that breaks up the airflow at the back of the bike? Well, that, no, because you, you don't want to break it up. You want to smooth it down because right. breaking it up gives you more of a slipstream effect. Okay, yes, good. But I, I think the thing that, the thing they could do now be, would be heats in the final. Yeah, because then you don't have thirty races; you have fifteen, fifteen, and fifteen, and yeah. therefore you are dramatically reducing the opportunity. And I think that's something they should really consider. I like that idea. Uh, our condolences, of course, to oh, gosh, the yeah, family yeah, of awful. Hugo Millian uh, and everybody who knew him. He was a popular lad uh, in the Talent Cup paddock. Uh, the bad news uh, doesn't stop there, I'm afraid, because Brad Jones has been placed into an induced coma after crashing at Brands Hatch over the weekend in the opening lap of the British Superbikes. Came off his iForce Lloyd & Jones BMW and was treated extensively at trackside. Uh, long delays there, absolutely the right thing to do. Then he was airlifted to King's College Hospital in London. Uh, serious head, chest and leg injuries uh, reported. And uh, there was... A note that came out on Monday to say there would be no further updates for at least 48 hours uh, whilst Brad had been put into that induced coma. We, of course, wish him well and send all of our uh, best wishes, thoughts and prayers to him and again to his family who uh, uh, must be going through it at the moment in a very difficult uh, weekend for two-wheeled racing. Let's move on. Another oh, the first sorry. full season uh, in super bikes for Brad after Correct. Uh, doing super sport. Uh, the three BSB races at Brands were won by three different riders, uh, which is unusual. Taron McKenzie uh, won mm. the restarted uh, Saturday race. Jason O'Halloran uh, and Christian Eden winning the races on Sunday. That The last race uh, particularly was an absolute cracker. Um, but Brands Hatch, Brands Hatch, the full circuit for bikes is just great and since they took the old chicane I never raced on it with the chicane um, but the old chicane used to really break it up round the back it's it's really really fast round the back now and into Stirlings um, before you come back towards the grandstands that's a very fast car- corner in a car and a bike I think it's a great 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 circuit um, it is the barriers are rather close in some areas yeah. in some yeah. areas and I'm not sure that they can ever do anything about that midweek motorsport uh, let's move on we're on series 16 episode number 30 no extra programme uh, tonight uh, but Tim news of a programme tomorrow uh, well as usual we've got two programmes tomorrow night uh, we have the simcast at 8pm and more on that in the second hour and uh, then at nine o'clock, it's on the grid. And this week, uh, it is their mid-year report card uh, for oh, the V8 supercars. Um, and uh, I wonder if they might also be talking about rumours that uh, V8 supercars might be taking 
over the uh, Phillip Island date that uh, MotoGP is no longer going to use. It was the London E-Prix at the weekend and almost as much to talk about uh, as the London or the British Formula One Grand Prix. Uh, as it's Formula E, we defer to our Formula E expert, contributor, Sam Smith. You can read his musings on the race. Sam, welcome back to Midweek Motorsport. You well? I'm good, thank you, John. Yeah, pleasure to be on again. Uh, two races at the weekend in the sort of indoor-outdoor uh, arena. Uh, I'll uh, first of all say I, I think that was a great idea. I think the double hairpin might have been just a set of S's, which would have made it a bit bit better. Um, how did the event go? Because it sadly seemed that there was a lot of empty seats there. Yeah, there was, and and that was not really the fault of Formula E. Um, Department of of Culture, Media and Sport didn't quite... uh, The the timing wasn't quite right to get fans back into an indoor part of the stadium, and unfortunately most of the seating was indoor, so it kind of had the feel... I described it as a feel of a long... A long organised wedding that you know you turned up to, and the church was empty. It was it's kind of one of those feelings, a bit bit peculiar. But I think the the potential for the fixture for for racing in XL is massive. You know, I think once fans can get back there um, and, and everything can be done safely, it's going to be a great event. But you're right with the circuit. There are changes that are needed, certainly. I think those two hairpins, those double-back hairpins, were, were too indoor karting, uh, even though they're outside. They had that indoor karting feel to them, and they, they just need to uh, let it flow a bit more. But I'm sure they'll be able to make those those changes next season. I, I agree with you about the venue. I, I did a few years ago, quite a few years ago now, Tiff Nadell and I did the motorsport part of a Top Gear live show at that venue. Um, the disadvantage we had, of course, is that we had internal combustion engines, so we could only run for about 35, 40 minutes for the show, and then all the doors had to be open and the fans turned uh, back on, and by that I mean the extraction fans, not those people who were clapping and cheering. Um, whereas, of course, with Formula E, that's not a problem, and you can... I mean, they did run outside, but there's no reason why... All right there's a space reason, but there's no reason why you couldn't have a whole Formula E event indoors somewhere. Well, this is, this is true. I mean, you know, there's obviously zero emissions from the cars themselves. And, and actually, I think we talked about this maybe last time or the, or the time before that the calendar, I think is going to have to adapt because racing in city centers is troublesome. You yeah. know, it's not an easy thing to put on. So I think these kind of stadium stroke arenas are going to become more prevalent in the future. Um, Seoul is going to happen next summer, and that's going to be in and around the Olympics 88 Stadium. And then they're going to use also in Vancouver, they're going to go around the stadium. Uh, And they're also looking at Cape Town, which is going to be around the FIFA World Cup semi-final stadium in, in Cape Town as well. It's not going to go in it, but I think, yes, I think a lot of cities now are going to be looking at what London achieved and thinking, actually, you know, we've got a huge conference arena or a huge um, uh, stadium that you know maybe sits idle for for a good part of the year and, and why not adapt it to a big event like Formula E so I think it showcased actually what what can be achieved by not what racing in a city but not necessarily right in the sit- heart of the city and, and causing as much disruption as it as it takes to put these events on well the, the other thing I think Sam and it's something that we have talked about before Formula E is by its nature meant to be uh, disruptive in the world of motorsport and 
because of the very nature of the electric powertrain, you can do things differently. And maybe that's, you know, that's their job. They should do things differently. I, I thought it was an interesting, I thought it was a very interesting concept. And with a couple of tweaks, uh, I think it can work. You've got great transport links to that venue, including on the, the DLR, uh, which is, of course, uh, a zero emissions a public transport system as well, isn't it? All electric uh, and uh, all automated. Um, the racing itself, uh, generally speaking, apart from one or two incidents at that double hairpin, I thought was pretty good, but it was pretty feisty. I think we probably, once you'd seen the track when you turned up there, you probably could have guessed that, couldn't you? Yeah, I reckon so. I went round it on Thursday, actually, and um, had a good chat with Dario Franchitti about the track and what we might expect. And it was typical in many ways that the Saturday race was reasonably sedate in, in Formula E uh, parlance. And, uh, and then on Sunday, you know, everyone took their took their part of their brains out and went for it. And um, But I, I think a combination of that and the fact that we had this kind of double hairpin uh, scenario, which is where the majority of the incidents happened. We saw one as well at turn one, which um, Antonio Felix de Costa and Andre Lotterer were involved in, where where Andre did a, a bit of bit of uh, weaving, which was a bit unnecessary, and wiped out Antonio. He, he since apologised, which you'd expect from from Andre. So, you know, two great pros there, and um, and the respect still remains, I think, between them. But yes, the, the racing at times was a little bit, um, as, as I said in a column yesterday, was you know Wimbledon, the Wimbledon um, Stadium, or what was the Wimbledon Stadium, isn't that far away, and it kind of harked back to some of those crash bang wallet days down there. But you do get that in Formula E. It was tight. Um, there weren't many opportunities for overtaking, but as I said, hopefully that'll that'll be smoothed out next year, and we'll have a, a slightly different configuration. Football may not have come home, but Formula E did. Good weekend for the Brits. Uh, two Brits on the first podium and a maiden victory for uh, for uh, the guys. In fact, on both days, uh, with Alex Lynn coming through uh, in on the on the second day, which makes me feel even more disappointed that there weren't wasn't a bigger crowd there because two home wins would have been mega. Yeah, that's right. Jake Dennis won on Saturday for BMW. Andretti sort of dominated that race. And, Did yeah. You know, he's taken to he's taken to Formula E like a duck to water. It's his second win this year after the win in Valencia, and he was keen to back that up with a win on what you call a traditional Formula E track rather than a, a permanent venue. So. He did that, and he's had an excellent season. Been very impressed with with Jake, uh, Alex Lynn. He's had a really kind of fractured Formula E career. Race for DS Virgin in season three, and then partly for Jaguar, replaced Nelson Piquet. Then he deputised for Pascal Verline last year and got a full season at Mahindra. And amazingly for for Alex, it looks like he's going to be he could be out of that team next year because Mahindra signed Oliver Rowland for mm. next season. So. But what better way to prove everyone wrong by by winning a race? And he did that on Sunday, and he did it excellently. A really nicely structured win. And he got a third place on uh, Saturday as well after taking pole position. Super strong weekend for Alex. And I, I, I think, actually, he's he will now be the target of, of some teams, possibly Nissan, for next year. Because he could actually go the other way and replace the seat left uh, vacated by Oliver Rowland. So he he's um he's a great character. You know you know Alex from some sports car yeah. activities he's done. Obviously he's won Sebring and, and Le Mans with with uh, Aston Martin on that, that occasion last year. And he, he's just a really driven individual and he's he is super quick as well. And and super intelligent. You know, he races 
intelligently. He had a really tough start to this season, but has come through. And he's, he's actually now right in championship contention. But then again, three-quarters of the field, though, as was, we get to the last two races. We'll, we'll talk about that in, in, in a moment or two. He's got Dario Franchitti in his corner as well, so that's, that's not going to uh, hurt him either. Uh, the controversy on Sunday was about... Um, the when does a car stop and when does it not stop? Um, fantastic piece of strategy by Alan McNish from the Audi team, who had read the rule book and knew exactly what he had to do, and pulled one of his cars out of the safety car train, which was going dead slow to try and get some more laps in, and we completely understand that. The pit lane there, a bit like Silverstone, actually, it was a, a shorter... Uh, and a pretty quick run, particularly with the, the speed that the um, the mini safety car w- was running at. The issue was that the steward said the car didn't stop. And unfortunately, we never saw it because of the positioning of the bridge. And we didn't get the onboard either. But McNish was incensed by this. Is, is there going to be any appeal from that? No, there won't be because it's been proved that Sadly, Lucas didn't quite stop. I mean, just to explain, the the surface at the Accelerina was a an epoxy sand surface, which was super grippy. But on the pit apron, it was shiny exhibition floor. And what Lucas did was he came in and he thought he'd stopped, but there was a slight slight skid. And I think it was, I've heard it was between sort of two and three kilometres per hour in terms of that skid happening. So it looked like he'd come to a stop and then gone. What he should have done was stopped and somebody should have, there should have been a lollipop or something there um, with a mechanic making sure that he did actually stop. They have wheel speed sensors, uh, the FIA that have those sensors via Magneti Morelli technology and, and they picked up on that pretty quickly. So when you saw Alan running and, and it, you know, that there should have obviously been some Benny Hill music as, as that was happening, <laughs> uh, heading to the stewards. Uh, Alan was off to the stewards. He was, um, he was going to argue the toss about if, They'd stopped or not, um, but he hadn't quite stopped, and it was a pretty clear-cut thing. In my mind, if they'd have pulled that off, it would have been one, of, well, probably the cutest ever Brilliant. race win yes. that I could ever remember, certainly. And they didn't quite do it, so massive frustration. The backstory to this is interesting because in Berlin last year, Mahindra tried something similar in the race under full course yellow, and it didn't quite work out as well there. So what the FIA did was then they they said right. They wrote, rewrote the rules and they put in that if you did that coming into the pit lane for no good reason in a full course yellow, then you'd have to stop for 10 seconds at your pit, which meant that strategy was yes. pretty much obsolete. Crucially, they didn't do that for a safety car situation, ah. which left open this possibility. So Audi have come in for some criticism from various quarters saying, you know, this is a cynical ploy and it's not good for racing. Well, that's a separate issue. Yeah, I, I would say that it's a cute, smart move. Yes, it wouldn't have looked great if it won, but it was within the rules. If there's any criticism to be levied here, it is entirely towards the FIA for not not just blocking off. Closing that loophole as they did with the full course yellow. Yeah, completely. Exactly. It's, exactly. A, team's, it's a team's job. It's a driver's job to push the, the boundaries. It's an engineer's job to put the, push the boundaries. It's McNish's job as team manager to push the boundaries. He'd obviously seen that. He was obviously of aware yeah. of it. And being the thinking man that he always was behind the wheel, uh, that's not changed uh, since uh, he gave up driving. I, I, 
I looked at it and uh, as soon as I heard what they were trying to do and realised that they had come in and stopped, I thought, that is genius. That is absolute genius. But hey, it, it didn't happen. And in fairness, the no-point score for Audi in round 13 has uh, really knocked them back in their title hunt. They've dropped down to sixth position, albeit only 31 points behind Envision Virgin, who lead going uh, into the end of the season. Uh, They've got, what, seven points on Mercedes EQ, Jaguar racing a couple of points further back. Those are the top three. But with it's double-header again at Berlin, isn't it, it, Sniffer? It is, yes. And what they're going to do is a similar thing to last year, obviously not an expansive six-race uh, event there, but it's two two races, you say. But they're going to use the reverse oh. of the traditional track for the second day. Nice. Um, so it's all to play for. I mean, I, I think right down to Oliver Rowland in the 16th position, there is the possibility that wow. you know, with the qualifying format, that you you could win a race and be back into it for the for the Sunday. But I think what's going to happen is, with the quirky grip of the airfield surface there, I think actually you're you're not going to be wanting to be in Group One of qualifying going into that crucial Sunday race. You're going to want to be in group two, possibly even group three. But of course, you know, we've already seen a bit of choreography. I mean, even back in New York, Oliver Rowland gave up a position so that he would be not in group one, but in group two for the following day's race. Yes. He gave up two points and that was to his teammates. So there was a little bit of the start of something there of, of this complex choreography to get drivers into particular groups whereby you do a quick mathematician you know um calculation in the final few laps and if the race is settled you can orchestrate which group you're going to be in yeah now that's and that's 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 on your championship position sam isn't it exactly yeah Yeah, that's exactly right so the championship positions make up the the group you're going to be in for the next so i mean we're not talking about algorithms and quadratic equations here it's a bit of arithmetic on on the move and and you know just like we were saying about McNish trying to use every advantage. That's that's par for the course as well. And we've seen that down through the years with things in in other motorsport, like uh, success ballast. Oh, I don't want to finish in the top three in this race because that'll get me 50 kilos. And That's, that's true. You know, yeah. all that sort of I, stuff. I like it. I like, I like that aspect of it. Yeah, and it's going to be pretty fraught in Berlin because there's so many drivers in the mix. <laughs> so, you know, but where the thing is, where do you draw the line? I mean, imagine you lose the championship by a, a two points oh. that, that you've given up the previous day. So it's a really risky strategy. I think I think we're going to get a really interesting dynamic. I think some teams will try and do that on the Saturday race and some won't. And it's just a question of whether you bag the points or you think long term about a potential scenario when, when you're in a more favourable qualifying group. So I yes, suspect, Sam, it did, it, yeah, I, I suspect it'll depend on how quick they think they're going to go and what advantage they might have in the second group. Giving up two points in race one is fine if you get a good finish first, second or third, maybe in, in the second race. Uh, if you're only going to finish 10th, then it, there's not really... Very much point, is there? Um, you, you, you mentioned how tight it was. Nick DeFries leads the championship for the drivers by just a scant six-point margin. Uh, there's eight back from Robin French in second to Sam Bird in third. And you said Oliver Rowland. So what's Ollie down in 16th? He's on 59 points. And there's a heap of, of talent there. I just realised that the 
a Berlin E-Prix is the same weekend as Le Mans Test. Um, and there are some drivers, there are a number of drivers that will be racing at Le Mans. Nick de Vries has just been nominated in both of the Toyotas for the Sunday test. There is only the one day testing. It's behind closed doors for Le Mans. Uh, I presume leading the championship and leading a world championship uh, going into the final two rounds that weekend that he's not going to be at the Circuit de la Start. Uh, no, I think we can take that as a, as a given. Um, I think there are 10 drivers, in fact. Cause mm. Is Jean-Eric Vern, is, is Vern doing Le Mans? I think he is. Yeah. So... I, I think there are 10. I know they've um, most of them have hired a, a private jet to get over to Berlin for Sunday evening. But obviously, that's going to be way too late to ah, well, take part in the testing. We've got, an extra, we've got an extra long afternoon session. It goes on till 7 o'clock at night this year at Le Mans in test day, um, which is something yeah, that I know that... I don't, you know, unless they, they're going to borrow Jeff Bezos's. uh um, spaceship. I don't think they're going to they're going to make it from Berlin to, okay. to Le Mans, even if they land at the airstrip. Because the race, I'm pretty sure the race is on at um, at three o'clock. And right. Okay. Finished till four, and I think that that is a yeah that that's not going to happen. I think the more the you know Nick, Nick apart, um, Nick Cassidy um, is driving in in GT, isn't he? So he will. He's not done. I think he's the only driver not to have done Le Mans. Or maybe Robin Frines. I'm not sure Frines has done Le Mans before, but certainly Cassidy hasn't. So, you know, he's got to do his um, first laps at the circuit. And I'm, I imagine that some kind of special dispensation will be given to he and to he and Robin as well before they get there. Um, they, of course, are in the same team and they are in the championship mix as well. I, you know, trying to predict who's going to win the championship is just absolutely impossible. I mean, you know, you cannot say who is going to win this championship. I thought there would be four or five drivers going into the Sunday race with a decent chance. I think there could be as many as eight um, with a realistic chance with the way that the qualifying group is. And I, I always said that if Antonio Felix da Costa was within 12 points going into the event, the Berlin event, um, he would be the favourite, irrespective of which qualifying group he'd be in. Because it's quite, it's not too difficult to overtake that. And actually, Antonio is 15 points behind De Vries. Yeah. So I, I think he's still on target to possibly retain his title. Uh, have we had a defended title in ABB Formula Yes, a? yeah, John Vern won back to back titles in, in season did. four and five. Yeah. So, um, I mean, if if he did that and Diaz de Cheetah won another title, it would be pretty extraordinary. That would mean four drivers' titles and five teams' titles in this period of six years, which would be phenomenal. And let's not forget that they are, for sure, not the best finance team on the no. grid. Far from it. Um, so it would be a great achievement. So that's the 14th and the 15th uh, at Berlin, is it? That's correct, yeah. Right, Okay. 14th and 15th, ABB, Formula E, FIA World Championship, the season finales, all to play for, um, three quarters of the field in terms of the drivers still in with a chance. Sam Smith, um, I'm sure you'll enjoy that. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, John. Pleasure as always. Thank you. Right, Tim, where to next? Well, first of all, let me not uh, choke on my ice cream. Uh, I don't think <laughs> it's I want me, to, isn't it? I don't think I want to go anywhere next. I want to ask Nick oh. what he thought of uh, the Formula E race, and uh, before mm. he does any more sighing, uh, obviously, I want to ask the most important question. Go on, um, and one which can probably only be answered by one listener. Right. Uh, 
So hopefully Kelly McNish is listening. Um, but am I right in assuming that Finlay is now a lot taller than Alan? Yes. Yes. Yes, I think so. Yeah, I think Finlay and Charlotte are both Both, uh, both leggy, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, can Nick, I just your say, thoughts? Yes, can I just say, I love Sam Smith. We've known him for years. For years, originally we were showing us around the lonely factory and everything else. Very good. That was the most positive spin since Peter Mandelson because, frankly, that weekend was an embarrassment to Formula E and, in many ways, anything calling itself an FIA World Championship. Because? Well, first of all, Nick DeVries got his points by using fan boost, which shouldn't exist in FIA World Championship. Right, okay. But, but it does. Okay. It was a crash fest. Well, we had addre- we had no, Sam addressed that. The track was awful. Yes, and it'll be changed The camera next work year. was awful. In the first race, I agree. The whole concept of the championship is unwinding if people are, are deliberately going slow to get into different qualifying groups. The whole concept of the qualifying group is causing these ridiculous accidents because you've got the fastest drivers at the back because they falsely qualified. Let me let me give my point. No, no, no. Because they falsely stuck at the back in this idea that for some reason having nine people with a chance of the championship is better than having two. Nick DeVries leads the championship by six, seven points. He is averaging 7.2 points a race. It's ridiculous. It's absolute, It's an embarrassment to the FIA. They have got to sort out the rules because we're not seeing the best races at the front. We're seeing the luckiest races at the front because you need so much luck. If you win a race, you're at the back. You need so much luck to get to the front because say, say you've won the race, yeah, and the race you're at the back at doesn't have a safety car, doesn't have much instant up above, you end up 14th. Say you're really lucky and the guys at the front go crazy and suddenly you get a fourth place. What? And it's ridiculous. It's just, and honestly, I just sat there going, this is not a world championship. This is bumper cars with cash. I, I agree with you that with the track, and I made that point there to Sam. And, I, and you know, the track was different. I, I think that's exactly the sort of thing that they should be doing because they can go indoors. But that double hairpin was ridiculous. They, they've got so much... Why, when they got the opportunity to design tracks from scratch yeah did they design that well no no no, listen it was the first time there they were trying something out and I I I bet you that changes for next year needs to I bet you it changes for next year the fundamental of what you're talking about with your championship points and where you are in the championship deciding which qualifying group you're in and that wouldn't matter so much if it wasn't for the fact that these were all um, semi-permanent or non-permanent tracks, temporary tracks, because the guys who are in Group 1 are, are basically sweeping the track. That is no different from another motorsport that you don't like, which is World Rally, because the 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 running order on the first day of World Rally is determined by your championship position, and those at the top go first. Yeah, it's a false way of evening it up. Trying to even it out. But why are we trying to? Why are we trying I, 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 yes, to I, go to the lowest common denominator? No, no, lowest common factor. Oh, um, the um, I I don't disagree with your point, but I'm just saying it's not unique to Formula E, and and the really good drivers get around it. And it, Sebastian Ogier in the last two, probably three rallies, where he started at the sharp end of the field, has won the rally 
by the fact of his driving on Friday. Not because he's led the rally at the end of Friday, because he's lost less time than the other top runners. Yeah, okay. But I'm I'm not. So it's still it's still a competitive element, and it it's is, managing. But it is an FIA managing. yes World Championship when it's just a made-up. It's no more real racing than touring cars with Alan Gale safety cars in them. It is <sighs> just entertainment. And they, they say right now, I am not anti-Formula E. I have watched. I would say ninety-five percent of the races have been over the seven seasons, and I've enjoyed most of them. But I was so frustrated that we had all the, t- the championship leaders at the back. It was down to luck we got through. Stoffel Vandoorne was taken out by an idiot um, in the in the in the, uh, was, in the race, and they, he finally he paid his dues. Like Nick Fred, Nick De Vries and Stoffel Vandoorne had paid their dues by being too quick at the middle of the season, and they finally began to work their way forward again by being in a decent qualifying group. And they were scuppered by some blokes over up to six. And it's not like they can't come back next week and do it because they're back at the back again. It's yeah. like, no, this is not how you run a world championship. Yes, entertainment racing, fine, no problem at all. Well, this is a world championship. That's my point. We've talked to Sam. I'll calm down now. <laughs> Don't drink the coffee yet, right? <laughs> the, the, uh, we've talked to Sam about this before, and one of the problems that Formula A have got, and it's a problem that quite a lot of championships that are successful have, is every manufacturer wants to have a turn to win, otherwise they'll leave. And this is their way of dealing with that. Because people don't go there to compete. This isn't the Olympics. And coming third's not good enough. They want to win. Their directors and their boards want them to win. And all these big car companies want to do that. If they don't have a chance to win, and certain car companies, Audi, Porsche, Mercedes-Benz, BMW, they don't want to just win. They want to dominate. That's not happened in, in Formula E. And that may well be the reason why some of them are leaving because even at the small amounts of uh, investment that they're putting in, I, I, d- I agree with a lot of what you're saying, an awful lot of what you said. All I would say is that the vagaries of some of the more unusual sporting regulations are there to be exploited. And it doesn't matter whether it's at Le Mans and you find a wrinkle, whether it's in Formula One and you find a wrinkle, Look, we load people, Nick, that find that little thing in Formula I mean, I One. I haven't got an issue with Alan's um, call. It was a brilliant idea. I'm just thinking the, the overall rules are not befitting of an ah, FIA no. World Championship. Well, and and Sam and I had a big chat about that, where he said the rules weren't the sporting regulations weren't fit for purpose uh, after the debacle at Saudi when people were. Um, first of all, should have been racing there at all, but um, the fact that they were... They and they didn't, power, yeah. No, no, they didn't get to use their second oh, yes, uh, that power. Oh, yes, yeah. And, and then they got... Uh, then they got... Because the, the race was stopped, and then they got penalised for that. Well, that clearly, that can't happen. Then at Valencia, because they had several interventions from the mini safety car, and they ran out of power, but they didn't. They still had plenty of power in there, but the algorithm had turned them down. All of that needs to get looked at. I, I completely uh, agree. Um, Simon Hoff says, I try it like Formula E. I really want to, but for me, it, uh, they need to lose the fan boost stuff. Could they do two rounds on traditional circuits to showcase the cars? Well, they do. They do Monaco and they did a bit of Valencia, and I think they'll do some more of that as well. Uh, Alexander Orton uh, the last couple of laps of the race, there was a coming together as if they were squeezed. One of the reputable drivers aimed his stricken car at the other guy, uh, disgraceful. Uh, Mickey Mouse tracks, says Kevin Payne. Bumper cars, too many gangs. Stop, uh, stop. Not for me, sadly. I tripped over the FE at the event uh, at the weekend and tried to see. 
Uh, Doug Hamner says, preach, Nick. <laughs> Needs longer on the rant. Oh, God, don't say it. Don't say that. Alan Prosser says, completely behind RC Racing his views on Formula A. I watched the races on fast forward and they're still I think boring. I may have got a bit Martin Haven there. I apologise. You did. You did go a bit <laughs> Haven, Haven-esque. Although you probably do but know who won the 1971 FA Cup final. from a position of love. No, no, I know, I know, I know. I'm not. Please, no one think I'm anti-FE. I love the fact we get to see all the guys I know because these are guys I know racing. But oh, yes. no, I, agree. I just feel uh, that it could be so much better if they didn't have so many gimmicks. But as someone said, it's a fabulous moving warning to F1 not to muck about for the sake of mucking about. Well, that is that is very true. That is very true. Um, just one thing, by the way, I, I, I wasn't sure when I was talking to Sam and I didn't want to correct him because he's normally right in everything. But um, Cassidy isn't Nick Cassidy isn't driving at Le Mans. He was going to be. Um, I think in the Hub Auto Ferrari with Kovalainen, but uh, Parente and uh, Alvaro Parente and Max Martin, uh, as in that, uh, are in that that uh, that race. Final word from is, me on that. Hang I on, has Kovalainen got a different drive? Uh, no, I'm I don't sure think I saw his name still on entry list, but maybe I was because I remember looking at the old entry list and the new entry list on the same day last week, so I can't remember where I saw no Kovalainen. Him. Shea no says no. no. He's, he's Shea out. says no, and if Shea says no. Um, the final thing I, I want to say on on FA, and as I say, Nick, I don't disagree with you on pretty much everything you said, the execution in, in particular for certain parts of, of, of the weekend. But I did like the ability for the cars to race indoors, outdoors. Um, I, I was involved in one of the very early indoor go-karts racing facilities up in the northeast in in Shildon, the birth of the railways, in an old railway shed. And we had, at one stage, we had a 1,600-metre indoor kart circuit. And then we sold off part of the building. And so we developed the car park and had an indoor-outdoor circuit. And you could have a shorter circuit inside, or you could go out and run outside as well. And outside, when it was raining, and then coming back in on slick tyres, was hilariously funny. (laughs) And the only thing that that FA race was missing at the weekend was it raining outside and being dry. So close. Raining raining 20 minutes after the race finished. Absolutely was. All right, we've got over on that. Thanks to Sam Smith. Read his comments on the race just after nine o'clock. Oh, sorry. You caught me off guard there. It's Midweek Motorsport, and here's what's coming up. Well, you you gave Mark some of the ice cream as well, Tim, did you? All right, still to come in the second hour tonight. We've got a bit of uh, Formula One news. We've got a bit of Rally and Rallycross Northeastern news to discuss as well. Your comments, please, on at Specutainment. Tim tells me there's calendar news. He does like a nice calendar. Uh, He really does. And. Yeah, all right. Uh, and presented by the Cayman Islands, by Visit the Cayman Islands, we will have our sports car news roundup with Shea Adam. Also, an update on the Cayman cuisine. All coming up in hour two of Midweek Motorsport, Series 16, Episode 30, here on RS1. Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com. In fact, so let's, do our, um, let's do our Cayman cuisine update. Well, well th- this has gone absolutely bonkers uh, Eve earlier on uh, threw up three choices for our mail <laughs> sorry that was yeah not literally yeah, I, suggested I <laughs> suggested <laughs> thank you thank you for saving me uh, very bad <laughs> choice uh, she uh, suggested three 
cuisine choices. Um, it was lobster with hot sauce, fish fritters. See, I can't actually uh, say it. And jerk chicken. Uh, and I, I think lobster is just ahead at the moment uh, on at, uh, at uh, RSL. No, sorry, at un, uh, Radio Le Mans uh, on that. And uh, also on the collective as well on Facebook. What, what is also coming in, what is also coming in is uh, our suggestions from people who have clearly been to... Uh, the Cayman Islands. Oh. And Jeff Milligan says, can I re- recommend the Sunshine Grill at Sunshine Suites Resort in Georgetown? Uh, great menu there. And try their famous painkiller rum cocktail. Now, painkiller is a cocktail I know, but it's, I, I, it's normally made with whiskey. So very interested in that. I'm, I'm going to check that menu out later on. Uh, Jim... Brody Jim, uh, he said, I can't only vote for one. I have to vote for two. Vote. Vote now and vote often, as they say. Um, Also, Neil Moyer agreeing with Jeff Milligan. I agree, he says. There you go. (laughs) Uh, uh, He says, love the place. Many years ago, we rented a house with a cook, and she called a lobster man who showed up outside with, guess what? A whole boot full, a trunk full of live lobsters, and we just got to pick. Uh, also, we're hearing a lot of good stories about conch soup. And mm, yeah, I'm wahoo, surprised that wasn't on the list. Which is a fish. Well, could it, you, I mean, there's this no, time. Hang on, there's no way you can make conch soup in this country, is there? Wow. Aren't conches protected? Outside, so you can't like take them away? Well... Possibly why it wasn't on the list. I don't think you're allowed to bring conch shells into this country. Well, the the responsible adult would know that. And I've just got an update, by the way. Jerk chicken now in the lead for for next week's Cayman cuisine. It's not actually a Cayman because I like small crocodiles. Can I I nominate uh, coconut shrimp? Oh, we did coconut shrimp we love. Or or hot coconut shrimp or something, you know, kapow shrimp or something like that. Call it what you will. Yeah, like that. Not to power shrimp. They're quite fragile. They're like China in your hand, you know. You're very good. I've stopped now. <laughs> we do calendar news then. Can you stop those silly Vulcan puns? Oh. Um, <laughs> oh, do you want to keep talking I had to be very seafood. careful how I said that. Uh, right, moving on. Uh, calendar news was what was being suggested. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it's unusual to get calendar news in July. True, yes. Uh, but this is a series which doesn't happen in the traditional season uh, because it's the Asian Le Mans series, specifically the 2022 Asian Le Mans series. And uh, once again, this will be visiting the Dubai Autodrome and the Yas Marina Circuit in Abu Dhabi. And it will be doing four races, two at each, uh, on Friday the 11th, Saturday the 12th, Saturday the 19th and Sunday the 20th of February. Uh, which is roughly the same time as they did it before. And yes, although they're that, clo- much close together. Yes, they had, uh, they had actually week off, didn't they, before? They had a week between they're doing uh, four they? races in ten days this year, whereas I think last year they had them spread over 15 days. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, it worked. I thought it worked last year. Um, it's pragmatic. Oh, this year, problem, sorry. Really. I, I thought uh, Cyril Tashville and, and the team did a great job, very pragmatic. A lot of people couldn't go to Asia or couldn't travel around within Asia they uh, you know they've made that decision now Nick so people can make their plans now and 
all right, at the moment, that part of the world for us is a no-go area. It's a, it's a red zone because, not necessarily because of its um, uh, infection rate, but because it is a, a massive worldwide hub. But by then, by February, <laughs> it might have changed. Well, I haven't, haven't eased back from earlier. Uh, yes, and of course, they will be getting to go to a new track. So of course, they'll be on the new version of the Abu Dhabi circuit. Uh, mm-hmm. Which has been redesigned for F1, and will be. I don't know. I suppose we'll have a couple of test races before the uh, F1 in December. Uh, I think the twelve. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. Uh, the twelve hours of Abu Dhabi is. They've moved that to January, yeah, haven't they? Yeah, because the the F1 races is so late compared to how it used to be. Okay. Um, Do you want but, to hear what Saifal Noemi, the uh, CEO of Abu Dhabi Motorsports, had to say about it? Yes, yes of course. Ever since he was a young boy. It's fantastic to have the 2022 Asian Le Mans Series back to Yas Marina Circuit and the UAE as part of our Yas Racing Series weekends. 2021 saw significant participation in world-class racing and 2022 will see the competition take place on the newly configured track, which we're getting ready for the Formula One Etihad Airways Abu Dhabi Grand Prix 2021. We look forward to welcoming everyone back to the meeting place of champions. And Faisal Al-Sahawi, the Dubai Autodrome general manager, said... We're delighted that the world-renowned Asian Le Mans series will be returning to our venue in 2022. We're excited to be part of the legendary Rhodes Le Mans race. As a motorsport and entertainment venue based in Dubai, we're committed to the UAE's vision to bring premier motorsport events to the region. As I said, I thought it worked well. Uh, The uh, new man at the the helm uh, has taken, I think, uh, a bit of time, rightly so, to just take in what worked, what hasn't worked. Um, and uh, Frederick, we had him on the show, well, it's a while back now, it's six or seven weeks ago now. And he he said that uh, he was going to take his time. He has. Uh, the Asian Le Mans series has now been taken within LMEM, whereas before it was more directly run by the, the ACO. Uh, more power to their elbow. There's a lot of good teams racing in that and there's a lot of good teams from that area of the world who are using that as a stepping stone to Le Mans and when we do our Haggerty Radio Le Mans uh, previews the prototype and the GT previews which is not that far away now um, uh, uh, that's a, a point I'm going to make a note of that because that's a point we should be talking about about how good the Asian Le Mans series has been um, the Gulf oh, 12 how many hours of, uh, this sorry, may be something uh, for Shay hello Shay hello do you know how many of the entrants in this year's 24 Hours of Le Mans have previously competed in the Asian Le Mans series? Uh, I do not have that stat readily available, no. Make sure it's you have it ready them, for uh, three weeks' time. Yeah, there's... Well, for before that, because I'll be asking her that now in the preview In the previews. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so we'll, we'll move seamlessly in from calendar news about sports cars to sports car news... Uh, which is presented here on Midweek Motorsport by Visit Cayman Islands. And Shea Adam is with us and uh, craving seafood, I hear, Shea. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, you're being a little bit mean to the Florida girl now stuck in the middle of the desert. <laughs> I can't imagine what we've done that might have made you think even of seafood. Yeah. No, or painkillers. Yeah, painkillers. Yeah. Mm. Well. I'm told. I'm told <laughs> by the responsible adult that you can buy conch meat in the UK legally. There's, it's not black market. Oh, okay. So, okay. So conch soup might be on the uh, on the me and you 
for next week. Jerk chicken leading at the moment on that. Keep the votes coming in. Sure, let's uh, let's talk uh, IMSA first of all and talk entry lists. We're, we're a little ways away yet, but as is the norm now with IMSA, they're trying to get a, an entry list out the uh, Wednesday before race week. And next Wednesday, of course, we will be in a race week for America's National Park of Speed. So not all of them out yet, but the main series. What uh, what excitement do you have uh, for us in WeatherTech Sports Car Championship on the entry list? I, I did a little bit of digging, and I found the other two that were uh, ah. not readily available on the main site, but they were in one of the uh, back corners, just hidden away. But in WeatherTech, 35 cars on the entry list. We've got the six DPIs that we've come to know and love, the three Cadillacs, two Acuras, and a Mazda and a pear tree. Uh, we've got four LMP2 machines because oh, we nice. welcome back ERA. They're doing Road America. It's one of the racetracks that Dwight Merriman and Kyle Tilly would not pass up. So they're just coming back no longer in the championship hunt, but still looking to try and mix things up. LMP3 is the one that caught my attention the most because we've got two new cars. Uh, completely unexpected. I, I hadn't even heard of these teams interested in running in weather tech. But for LMP3 car number 30, it's going to be Terry Olson and Mike Skeen joining in junior three racing now this is a team that's competed in the IMSA prototype challenge before with this same lineup just making the step up with their Ligier and then what was the other change oh Volvo racing is also coming in it's Tonus Kasmitz and Augie Pabst which is ah. kind of a cool story because Augie used to run Tonys in the Indy Light Series way back when. So their roots run very, very deep. Um, for GTLM and GTD, nothing unexpected, but 15 cars in GTD after we found out last week of the addition of NTE Sport coming back with their Audi for this race. So Don Yunt and J.R. Hildebrand back once again. Uh, Mission Pilot Challenge. This is where things start to get fun. Uh, I'm going to go down in order because there were so many different and surprising things. Oh, yes. CB Motorsports. We've known them this year for running in a TCR car, correct? Yeah. Yeah, they're in GS now. Uh, Car number 18 will be a Mercedes-AMG GT4 for Trenton Estep and Mark Vame. So that's a pretty cool development. Not Lad is back again for Patrick Gallagher and Stephen McAleer. They've been first and second in the two races that they've run this year. For that duo, I should say. They, they ran with different drivers at Daytona. Uh, Black Dog Speed Shop back again. This time it is listed as Tony Gaples driving alongside okay. Michael Cooper. Spencer Pompelli was in for the first round at the Glen, but Tony clearly coming back because who doesn't love Road America? Um, Capstone back again, Gary Ferreira and Chris Wilson in another Mercedes. Uh, we're used to seeing that duo in an automatic racing Aston Martin. And we do have one of those back, just the one, Ramin Abdul-Vahavi and Michael de Casada. Mm-hmm. Michael, who normally races in the Allegra Mercedes, we've been told that that Mercedes will not be coming back until probably the end of the year. I'm thinking it'll either be uh, Laguna Seca round or Petite, waiting to find out for sure though. But because we've had so many cars moving up from TCR, it leaves us with only the 13 TCR oh, cars. Wow. It's only, fun to say that. Only yeah, the 13. Exactly. Uh, it's been a long break for Idabitsu Mazda MX5 oh. since we saw them. They're back. And listen, what do we know about those cars? Long straights, <laughs> big drafting lines, exciting finishes. And you've got to think, coming out the final corner of the two races this weekend and dragging up the hill, it's going to be another pack finish, isn't it? It's going to be 
epic. And especially when I look at the cars, we've got 26 of them, by the way, for this coming week. So we've picked up a couple, we've lost a couple, um, but it all works out to actually be in the positive. The biggest positive that I can see are changes within Hickson Motorsport. We've got a couple of driver changes as far as that is concerned. Brian Hickson uh, is still with the team. Juan Hernandez, who's been running with the team Guatemala, the car number 59, he's now under the Hickson Motorsport banner. They still have Savannah Little. They still have Lonnie Unser, but they've added Daniel Puchek from Austin, Texas, as well as some guy who's pretty nifty in those MX-5 Cup cars, Andrew Carbonell. Oh, I am really? so excited for this. Basically, it's putting Tom Long in uh, one of these cars and letting him have a go at it. I'm so excited for Carbonell, especially since he is the driver coach for that team. So now he's going to be able to show his little Padawans how to race the cars, too. Uh, what else is on the support uh, next weekend? We uh, we've next? got Super Trofeo, uh, right. if you would like to hear about yeah, that. Yeah, quickly. Seven pro entries, five pro-am. Gino Tor- Giano Torino has been bumped up to pro-am from AM. In AM, there are still eight cars, and then in LB Cup, also eight cars. And then the final series that we've got that weekend, because there are five series running at Road America, big track, big paddock, lots of room, why not, is our Carrera Cup North America, partnered with the Visit Cayman Islands, 32 Porsches for that category. 14 of which are in the top class, so the new 992 cars, eight in the Pro-Am, and 10 in the Pro-Am 991 class. But here's the biggest story of them all. I buried the lead, John. Flying Lizard is back in IMSA. Flying Lizard Motorsport. Oh, my. Building a car for Chris Belomo, a driver that they're very familiar with, who's also out of California. Car number 68, it's going to have those Flying Lizard colors on it that we know and love. They're back in IMSA. Write the headlines. The classic livery is back. Brilliant. Well, sort of. Slightly different colors, but the same design. Oh, that is great news. Great news. Yeah. Uh, two races for Porsche Carrera Cup North America, presented by Visit Cayman Islands. Um, however, news today about a couple of three race weekends for that series, as they've been looking at innovative, and we were talking about pragmatic earlier on with Asian Le Mans series here, um, looking at a pragmatic and, and sensible ways to keep their season at the 16 races that they announced at the beginning for all of their for all of their competitors yeah and given that we've already had a lot of races the calendar was starting to get a bit thin because we're halfway through where else can you add races in well they're gonna have their indie fest weekend that we found out about that's going to be in september if memory serves off the top of my head which means that they only had a couple other weekends to choose between to try and fit in those other rounds of the championships. Three week, three races at the Indy Fest and three races to cap off the season at Road Atlanta right. at the end of the year, which wow. means that if you have a bad race one trying to go for the championship, wow. it's going to hurt twice as bad. Yeah, triple point score at, uh, at Michelin Raceway Road uh-huh. Atlanta. Don't go too far away, Shea, uh, and thank you for... The- for the moment for sports car news we've got some more us news that tim wants to ask you about but we're going to stay with our sports car news presented by visit cayman islands and tim gray has a european porsche story i do indeed (laughs) and are you i mean i know the answer to this and i know that the answer is going to be no um but play along anyway okay 
Are you currently yes. aged? <laughs> yes. Yes, I am currently aged. That's right. Between 17 and 22. Or will you be on no. the 1st of February next year? No, 17 no. times 22. That's I'm not even sure not. I could do 17 plus 22. It's still not enough. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, uh, that's a shame because the next question you can answer yes to. Do you hold a valid MSUK national race license? No. No. no? I have a valid FIA international license. Oh, well, in that case, you're not valid for this either. I'm too that experienced. You're too old, you're uh, too yeah. experienced. And I'm, you, I'm not Porsche enough, apparently. Have probably. you competed in no more than one Porsche Carrera Cup GB race weekend? Oh, no, that definitely, yes. I have. I, I, you competed in none. I've competed in precisely no Porsche Carrera <laughs> Cup race weekends. Um, I, I've had several meals at the Porsche Carrera Cup. Um, we we all did that. Haven't we all. Haven't yes, we all. we all did that in the day. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm not in then. But what am I not in? Uh, well, if uh, anyone listening can answer yes to all of those three questions, uh, then you could uh, apply to take part in the uh, Porsche Carrera Cup Junior Programme for 2022 and 2023. Because this is in, a, in, a two-year prize. In Porsche Carrera prize. Cup UK. Uh, GP, GB. excuse me. Uh, yep. So this programme, which uh, has been running for a very long time, since 2008 now, uh, offers support to identify and nurture young racing talent. Uh, and the majority of the former juniors have gone on to become professional factory racing drivers uh, and race at uh, high-profile Blue Ribbon motorsport events like the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Well done, then. Uh, that's interesting. Let's be- mention some of these people. All right. Uh, for example, the 2018-2019 uh, Porsche Junior was Dan Harper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and where have we seen him recently? Dan Harper has he been stocking shelves at Asda? No, he is not. He's been uh, racing in the NLS and the Nurburgring Twenty Four yeah. Hours. Yeah, as a yeah. Okay. works BMW driver. Oh, okay, it's gone wrong. Uh, before him was Charlie Eastwood. Charlie Eastwood's yeah, done all yeah, sorts Charlie. of stuff. Yeah, that's fine. Didn't he do Jeanette's at some stage as well, Charlie? I don't believe so. He uh, okay. was a Porsche Carrera Cup GB champion and uh, did a little bit of Porsche Super Cup and uh, has raced in the European Le Mans series and uh, at Le Mans. I think he raced in the road to Le Mans. Maybe it was the road to Le Mans. He's definitely raced Charlie. at Le Mans. Has he raced at Le Mans here? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 with uh, Sally Illick. Oh, of course he did. Yes. Yeah. Yes, good call. Shit, been doing our homework, you see. Uh, the current <laughs> uh, current uh, Porter Junior is Harry King, who... Uh, who very nearly won the hill climb at Festival of Speed in a new 992 Carrera Cup yes. car. Well, well, he won the uh, um, Porsche Carrera Cup GB, um, dominated it last year. Uh, I think he... Won all of the first six races and eight out of the first nine. Tim, they're still using the nine nine ones, aren't they? Yes. And Carrera Cup GB. And this year he the nine nine twos next year. This year he's doing both the Carrera Cup GB and the Super Cup, um, and not having quite so much luck in a Super Cup because they haven't been allowed to do any testing. And he's he's, he's jumping out. 
treatment now of a, one kind of something very different and very much quicker. Uh, lots more adjustment on that on that car as well. So this is for Carrera Cup GB. So they're asking people to apply. I'm right in saying, Shea, aren't I, that in Carrera Cup North America, if you're under the age, which I think it's the same, 22 or 20, maybe 24, I'm not sure. But if you're under the age and you're enrolled in the championship, you're automatically enrolled into the Young Driver uh-huh. programme. Yep, you're right. And you get a different set of overalls from uh, Porsche ah. too when you sign up. Oh, um, yes. Uh, the uh, Porsche GB Junior does get um, a race suit and gloves and boots, uh, all Porsche uh, tailored. And they get uh, a 40% discount on uh, a Stilo helmet as well. Oh, very good. That's why they all wear yeah, Stilo helmets. I wondered why. But, so, so are they all but, going. Sorry, Shay, go ahead. But Ferrari Challenge does the same thing. You're not a Porsche Junior with that. No, true. Um, do they all go forward to the end of the year shootout, or does they, the, the they person do. who and that's wins the next it, point, yeah. um, right? That uh, after this, they go to continue the rise through the Porsche Motorsport Pyramid, as it says here, uh, by going <laughs> to the Porsche Motorsport Junior Shootout. Yep. With uh, other leading Carrera Cup drivers from around the world. And a funded drive in the Porsche um, Mobile Alliance Super Cup. Is the shootout held at the Stuttgart Laser Quest then? No. With the orange juice and uh, <laughs> snacks afterwards. Well, that's very good. That's very good. Uh, thank goodness they don't actually have to buy their uh, 992 before the race because they'll be waiting a very, very long time they before will. they can get well, into it. Unless they can do a bit of the back end with the salesman call. <laughs> <laughs> that was Nick that, that said that. Uh, okay, uh, let's uh, head to some USA news. We'll do some. Cayman Cuisine updates uh, for you. The votes are flooding in at the moment. I'm desperate now to know what we're eating next week, Nick, aren't you? I, 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 I'm worried because I've no idea what the taste of conch is, but I think they might, they might be turning up. Okay, I mean, Shay and I are just going to have to look on from afar, aren't we? We'll send you pictures, yep. don't worry. Uh, I thought you were going to say you are going to send me some food. No, well, you know, I've still, I've still got some home. You've still homemade, got some vodka to, for me. Homemade vodka for you, yes, absolutely. Well, you, you, he had the fresh fritters. Fish, it's it's like a tongue twister, isn't it? Fresh, fresh fish fritters made from freshly filleted fish. Try saying that several times. No. Uh, shall fresh we do a bit of IndyCar news? Made from freshly filleted fish. Very good. Oh, well, you've got marvellous enunciation. Yeah. That's very, very good. Very, very good. Uh, let's do some car news. What have you got for share, Tim? Well, uh, at the start of the season, there were two drivers who were only going, two rookies who were only going to do uh, um, road courses and. Uh, temporary street circuits and uh, one of them then Mm. decided he wanted to go on the oval and then he (laughs) did an oval test on Tuesday and then had a conversation over WhatsApp with the other one who now decides he wants to uh, race at the Indy 500 next year (laughs) (laughs) yep name them it's been uh, Roman Grosjean and uh, Jimmy Johnson and it has been quite a little bit of fun going on because uh, there are only full season rookie in IndyCar with Scotty McLaughlin and he's done his oval test at the uh, Gateway Speedway is, is the one that they're at but Grosjean has come along and he's now done his first laps on an oval as well and they were texting back and forth with Jimmy Johnson trying to bait him to come out and now Jimmy is going to be doing a test on a speedway that he's very familiar with, having gotten a lot of wins there, but with a lot more bumpers around him, that would be Homestead. That'll happen uh, in September as well. Right. Uh, 
Is that the IndyCar news? Is that it? Uh, do we think that uh, Jimmy will uh, do better on uh, ovals than he has? Because he's been a bit disappointing on the road courses. It's a lot to learn, I tell you. Um, I, I still, I'm, I'm going to say what I've said before. I think he's brave to put himself out there and do this because it's it's a very steep learning curve for someone who doesn't have the background in that. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that, and it would be scary. The way that wind move over, moves over cars and stock cars is very different to how it moves around the cars in the Indy cars. Yeah. It's learning a different discipline. Um, and it's a bit like um, if you say that you're going to the Olympics for cycling and you show up because you're ready for the Tour de France and then they put you in the mountain biking category and it's going, hang on a second, what? Like yeah. um, so you know how to do the thing well, but it's very different. I could do that. That I could do. I could do the, what? the little little motorbike at the front it's all all electric now unfortunately but i didn't think the kieran was in the olympics the madison is but the, i don't think the kieran is is it yeah then again it is japan it is japan's national race isn't the kieran's and most of they put it back in for this one but you know why do you know why it's so important in japan no tell me because of the betting oh. that's where it came from the that's why it's so chaotic and everyone's leading in different laps isn't it yeah correct exactly so exactly so uh she a couple of um a a couple of driver change updates for indycar it's a bit bit of uh, it's not happening right now but we are right smack bang in the silly season because they haven't been racing for a while but it's potentially oh i'm going to take this one oh no i've got that one um i'll swap you for this one it's a bit like trading your baseball cards at the moment (laughs) it is it is, and at the end of the day, you want to have the holographic Charizard because all the other Pokemon cards just aren't as cool. Um, it, so it was a little bit unexpected. Jack Harvey was supposed to re-sign with Shank, a multi-year deal, and Michael Shank has been very loyal to Jack Harvey for many, many years now, giving him every single one of his IndyCar starts. He's had 43 of them, and he's only gotten one podium. Elio comes in, uh, does one start with the team and wins the biggest race that they've ever won in their entire life. Um, so that meant that Elio was on the radar for a full season ride for 2022 with Shank. They were planning to do a two car team for the entirety of next year. Well, they're still planning a two car team, but Jack Harvey has gotten a better deal from someone else. All the speculation is that he's going to be going to Team RLL. We don't know if that's official yet, but the rumors are saying that Sato is going to be out. Harvey is going to be in. There's two really? potentially available seats. Yeah, I know. It's it's strange, but he's a young up-and-comer, and, and he is loved by Honda. Um, so there's no mystery as to there. But the other thing is the two seats with Andretti. Hinch and Hunter Ray are the two drivers that they don't have a contract for next year and they haven't been performing this year. So is somebody going to step up and step into one of those seats? Is Oliver Askew going to wind up at Andretti? Is he going to wind up at RLL? Is he going to be back in the paddock at all? There's the potential of Ericsson moving out of Ganassi. There's a lot up in the air. Oh, and then the biggest one of all, uh, is Grosjean going to stay with Coin for another year, or is he going to be poached away by a more championship-capable team? Okay, stick around. And Tim yeah. wants you to stay around. I Normally, do. we get okay. we get rid of you when we go into uh, the feature that I know is coming up next, but there might be something before oh, that. Tim, where would you like to go? I'd like to go to NASCAR, because Sage ah. Callum's going to NASCAR. Okay. So this is, is uh, ever since <laughs> I was a young boy news, Shay. <laughs> 
Yes, yes. And this actually is ever since I was a young boy. Uh, that is very believable because knowing Sage and having had many conversations with him, he is the kind of guy who grows up wanting to do two things, drive in the Indy 500, well, win the Indy 500 and compete in NASCAR competitively. He's getting to drive in the Xfinity series at Indy this year. So that is pretty cool for him to see uh, such a long-lived childhood dream coming true. And also congrats to Sage because he just got married last ah. week. Oh, well, yeah. indeed. Well, and uh, who else? Um, uh, we've got two Swedes in uh, IndyCar at the moment, in uh, Ericsson and uh, um, Christ. We might see them joined by a Dane next year. And you know what? Uh, you know what? There is nothing like a Dane. There we go. <laughs> I knew he would. He want to get that in. He would want. Um, <laughs> there's still time to get some Spice Girls uh, uh, pun uh, song titles in as well for a story later. Uh, who's the Dane then? Who's that Dane? Name that Dane. This is uh, Christian Lundgaard. Oh, really? Okay. Race winner in Formula Two, as I'm sure you're all aware. Yes, and uh, he was at Barber Road Sports Park uh, at the start of this week because Formula 2 obviously has massive gaps between races uh, and they have to do something. Uh, And uh, he was testing for Rahel Lesman-Lanigan. Was he? And so was Oliver Askew and potentially, and we don't know this for sure, but Jack Harvey might have been in Alabama that day too. Ah. This is all uh, to replace Santino Ferrucci. Or Takumasato. Or Takumasato. Surely, though, I'm sorry, Takuma is the doyen of the the Japanese side of things. He's won the Indy 500 twice. All right, he's getting it to be a bit of a specialist on that now, and and his point scoring through the season is not great. But he he won at Portland three years ago as well. He can can win on a road course. He, he he will turn up a good result now and then, but he's not. I don't think he's a championship contender now, sure, is he? Yeah. But but no. you know, R- RLL, um, Honda, RLL, Sato, uh, it's a match made in heaven, and the the team love him. They really like working with him. Yeah, and to be honest, if if they don't make an announcement soon about that, and if he doesn't make an announcement about this being his decision, it's going to feel like it's in really poor taste to treat a two-time Indy 500 winner this way to to take his seat to give it to somebody else who's younger and potentially will get the results more consistently. There's nothing like Takuma Sato at Indy. When he's on his game at Indy, it's magic. It's his 12th season in IndyCar, though, and he's going to be 45 uh, next year. So is he thinking about retirement, perhaps? Mm. Mm. Do you think, think so. do you think he would come back? Do you think he would still come back for a, you know maybe a, a warm up oval race and then the five hundred if somebody made a car available to him? Oh heck yes, and I think Honda would push for that to happen too. Okay, okay. Okie dokes. Uh, are we finished with share now? Unless we want to do that feature now. No, that, that it, we'll, we'll let her go before we do that because it just upsets her. I mean, this is this is her type of thing. It's not not the European version. This is the American version. Is ooh, it the South ooh, American? Can I play? Is it can South American news in Spanish? It's uh, news in Mexican Spanish. Oh, 
right up her street. Oh. All right. No te fías en español. Ole. Por midweek motorsport. Okay, news in Spanish. Been missing for quite a long time. Tim's been <laughs> saving them up. Uh, Nick Derman still here? I am still here, yes. yes. I still don't see why we have a Spanish speaker on this, but I love Shay, so that's fine. Right, right. Re- relevant Le- for okay. Nick as well. Okay, right, let's go. Checo Perez, Cuarto Piloto Mayor Pagado, de la Formula One. Nick? Uh, Checo Perez, the well-known gardener's making a pagoda right. for Formula One. Yeah, yes, excellent. Checo Perez, Recibira, 18 millones de dollars, uh, este <laughs> 2021. Es de la, los pilotos mayor pagados de la Formula One, de acuerdo a una publicación de un medio especializado en finanzas. Yeah, well, not only is he making a pagoda for Formula One, he's making a big pagoda that's costing $18 million and has already been featured... The uh, the representation of it's already been featured in that well-known monthly magazine, Big Pagodas Are Us. <laughs> Could well be. Según Forbes, la superstrella de Mercedes, Lewis Hamilton, se mantiene oh. a la cabeza y se calcula que este año obtendrá un total de $211 million en la pista. Sure. Mm. Ah. Uh, Lewis Hamilton found out about Checo building this pagoda and said, I can do one for a lot better for a lot more money. So he's putting $211 million towards his. Well, I I could see how you thought that, but I think there was just a little nuance in there. And I think we've been wrong all along because the pagodas that we're talking about are not garden pagodas. They are Mercedes-Benz pagodas, which, of course, is the nickname for the 230 and the 280 SL because of the shape of the roof. And that is what Lewis is suggesting would be better in the garden instead. And they are quite expensive now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you say that, but listen to the next paragraph, and I think you might double back on that thought. Okay. Okay, right, right. El Tapatio... Say ha combinado con Max Verstappen para empuja a Red Bull frente al siete veces campeón defensor Mercedes en la clasificación de constructores, pero en fin de a semana difícil en Silverstone, cero la breca y coloco a Perez de tercero a quinto en la clasificación de pilotos. She, I take it back. Uh, Nick, I take it back. Yeah. I, I, I miss, I miss her. Mm, that this is actually a. Very, very interesting article. I've now got the whole gist of it. And it's actually about what the drivers do during their time off. And remarkably, both all Max Verstappen, Sergio Perez and Lewis Hamilton are running gardening landscape design businesses. Yep. But it's interesting, isn't it, that you very much point out there's a definite com- com- competitiveness in the pagoda field between Perez and Verstappen. Whereas we just heard, sorry, Perez and uh, Hamilton, whereas Verstappen, well, he's all about the fences and the patios. He's not bothered about the pagodas. Yeah. It's yeah. That, yeah, he's Much fam- more down to work. So I'm beginning to think now might be one of the reasons that Checo was actually brought into Red Bull, because his pagoda knowledge means they can do the entire garden okay. without having to go out to a third party. Do, do you, do you huh. concur with that, Shea? That makes a lot of sense. And I also heard something about an Altima. So perhaps Max is too focused on the Nissan side of things, which right. Honda wouldn't be very happy with. Right, very good. Very good, yeah. Uh, is that it, Tim, or is the mall? There is more. God, no. Los oh, Altos right. Solarios son clave para los pilotos de Formula 1 que curiosamente cobran mucho menos de patrocinios 
que las superestrellas en otros deportes como el tenis y la NBA. Right, well, now th this is very interesting because not only are we doing garden design now with various forms, and I think she's onto something here with Verstappen and Czech will being able to offer a full service. That was me. That was you, was yes, it? Yes, okay, I was, sorry. I, I'm the full service man. Yes, well, we know that. <laughs> um, uh, however, I get the idea that they're looking to put on events in gardens. No, no, they're no. doing catering no, as well. what it is, they, 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 they are expanding to these large areas which include tennis courts. Right. And interesting is that NBA, which is basketball courts, but that's obviously going to fall right back into Lewis's field because, of course, he's friends with so many American basketball yeah, stars. Yeah. So I get the impression this could be, and, and remarkably, given the friction we've seen between those two teams in F1, are coming together, the three of them, to produce not just pagodas, not just patios, not just fences, but, but small sporting arenas for your very large country house. Very good. For many yeah. millions of dollars. Million dollars. Yes. Yeah. Please tell yeah, me it's I done. Go oh, on, Shake on. I have a bit of expertise on this because the house I'm sitting in right now has just finished putting in a pickleball court with a basketball hoop. And the, right. the painting and trying to get all of this right is very difficult. So for Max and Checo and Lewis to be able to come together and, and make these backyards that not only have beautiful pagodas, but also these sports courts. That's impressive. It is. It's very much I fun. think we can wrap that there, can't we, Tim? I spend the weekend <laughs> digging a pond. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like it should be a jingle. Can you get Mark to say that? I spend the weekend digging uh, a pond. I want to hear I him say that Chico, when he... Check out to do it. I uh, should have. I want to hear Mark say that when he does the CNN VOs. Shea um, <laughs> uh, probably doesn't know this, but our VO, oh, no Mark, um, does the CNN International, all the CNN International videos, and Mark and Emma do all the heart radio videos, ah. which is, you know, which is quite cool when we're listening to them running around. Shit, we are going to let you go now. Best to you and the family. Uh, try and find some Bye. decent fish and we'll speak to you next week. Have a good weekend. <laughs> Sounds good. Bye, guys. Bye, Shay. Shay Adam uh, joining us there. Uh, for amongst other things, the Sports Car News, brought to you by Visit Cayman Islands. And we'll still have the... Um, We'll have the Cayman Cuisine update in about 10 minutes' time. You, you picked a good weekend to, to dig a pond, uh, Tim, because... Yeah, it filled itself. It filled itself, <laughs> didn't it? That was, that was God's bonus for you, mate. Yeah, sadly, I need to drain it now so that we can uh, put in the lining. Ah, OK, so you dug the pond but didn't line it. So it, now it's, it's just it's a It's basically muddy... a, a, a clay hole. It's a, I was just going to say it's a muddy hole. Yes, I suppose to Clay Hill, which is uh, ah. at which circuit? That Clay Hill oh, is Mark? at Thruxton. Oh, sh is it, I don't know. Is it? Nick is correct. As it's at Alton Park. Yes. Yes. Alton Park. Park. Okay. I've got my track knowledge now is so good because you I've Irish. virtually gone round all of them. What's the hill at Thruxton then? Woodham Hill. That's a pancake. Woodham Hill is it? Oh, right. okay. Woodham Hill is not flat. You try walking up it. I I I haven't been to Thruxton for. 10 years. In a vastly underpowered Porsche 968 as you're going up there flat out. It, trust me, it slows you down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on uh, to uh, more news this week. Um, just a, a quick reminder about... Uh, actually, before we do anything else, Tim, Simcast, tomorrow night at 8. It is, and I'll have more details of that after we move on to Formula One. Hooray! Oh, too late. You can't stop. You fade me down, but I'm ready to go. I'm on the edge. Tim, throw me again. 
We'll do that after Formula One. And don't you protest that. That was only 10 seconds. Okay, fine. I thought you went up the inside a bit early, Dan, <laughs> to, to be honest. <laughs> then again, <laughs> no, stop, stop right now. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> and it, and that's where we I start. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's, that's where we start. Because, of course, despite the fact that it was long time ago and the decision has been made... Mm. Um, the fact that two became one mm. has uh, has been a bit of a nightmare, and uh, and Christian Horner is well, not happy with well, the, what happened the was, outcome. Was Christian had a chat with uh, Helmut and Dieter, and he said, "Tell me what you want, what you really, really want." Mm-hmm. And and they said, "What we really, really want is to uh, penalise Lewis, uh, which doesn't scan quite so well, but that's what it was because they're still sulking." And absolutely against the feelings of the entirety of F1, apart from 17 Dutch people and some ridiculous uh, names on forums, they've decided to try and get the, the accident, which has been discussed infinitum, has absolutely split everybody. They've decided they're going to uh, uh, re-raise, which they're allowed to do, in front of the stewards to try and get a different penalty. Um, I thought, I thought that in race penalties... From the stewards were not appealable. They're not appealable unless you have the penalty is not appealable unless you have special new evidence. And, and they and they apparently have new evidence, and it was provided for them by Karen Chanduk. No, he's not allowed on this one. He's he's made it very clear he's not involved in this whatsoever. Okay, so what's the new evidence? We then? don't know. That okay. um, they've. Uh, Marco, it wasn't fair. Even Marco's gone. He's fairly sure they've got something good. So if he's only fairly sure because normally he'd be absolutely convinced of something else. It's a shame they can't bring in, in old evidence, isn't it? Because <laughs> Christian Horner, it is, it has, he has been very, very sure in people going down the inside yeah, and, and late breaking into yeah, corners and take people out. Max Verstappen, it's fine. Right. Uh, the hypocrisy is strong within Mr. Horner, and. Regardless of what actually happens with this um, appeal, which will be kicked out because there isn't any evidence, um, what are you going to say? Do you think it will? Well, I mean, I, I don't see what they can bring. There's this rumour they've got a, a bit of um, a GPS data which says that Lewis was faster into the corner than he'd ever been before. He had a massive slipstream, so that's going to happen. Um, even then, that doesn't prove anything because people make mistakes. Because if, if you... Uh, how many times have you been into that ju- corner before on that in that race? None, the, none. none. That was the first time. So fast again. I, I think so perhaps you could say learnt his lesson. <laughs> and I don't believe it anyway. Well, his tyres weren't as good. And yeah, but the problem is, unless you can prove it, unless you can prove it was deliberate, yeah, unless you can prove it was deliberate, can't, which it wasn't and isn't. Um, I d- all you're doing is see, what they, what what I would like to happen. Mm-hmm. But not for Max. Is I'd like to have the thing where they've turned around and said, "This is a completely spurious, vexatious, attempt. vexatious, and we are doing this to you." Yeah. So I want them to find ten million dollars taken out of the cost cap and docked a hundred championship points for basically annoying everybody pointlessly. Yes, Max, leave him alone. Nothing's Max at all. Max right. is fine. But I absolutely well, think we are all fed up with Horner, with. Marco and with Matchit, and they've just got to be a little bit more grown up and a little bit more adult about the whole thing. They are absolutely appalling people. Daniel's just said 
one of the two things that I was going to bring up, which is brilliant. Ask about your team. He said, time for the collective uh, crew's heads to explode, trying to understand how the Red Bull appeal will do anything but get Max Verstappen appealed for everything if they succeed. Well, that's it. Oh, yeah. And not thing just I by Mercedes. Say, oh, no, by everybody. Um, really. Um, really. Um, uh, the, the, the other thing, uh, I want to bring up a serious point. Uh, and and I'm, I'm not saying this to be controversial. I'm saying this honestly as somebody who's been in not the same situation because I've never had a 51G hit. But as claimed by the team, 51G hit. Ouch. Right? Ouch. Ouchy, ouch. Uh, as a matter of course, taken to the nearest place that had the right scanning equipment to be looked at in hospital. Big thing made about that. Huge thing made about that. Whilst he was in hospital, disgraceful that anything should happen and anybody should continue racing or have a podium or win. Or laugh. Yeah. Or enjoy something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, So he wasn't kept in hospital. He was never going to be kept in hospital. And indeed, Christian Horner, before the race even restarted, said he's fine. He's going to hospital for a checkup. So he gets out. He goes home. What does he do the next weekend, Max Verstappen? He does a 24-hour iRacing event, Spa 24. Now... Comes fifth. What? What? All right, not the whole 24 hours himself. No, he did it with two others. Right. My knowledge of concussion protocols is not great. But one thing I do know from being banged around a bit myself, what do you not do? You shouldn't be staring at screens that much. And don't forget, he would be staring all week practising. Mm. thing is, he, you know, he never lost consciousness... You don't have to lose consciousness to but be concussed. He was only sent up there for, for precautionary checks. You can't, not, you can't see concussion yeah, in a scar. I know, I know. I'm not, I'm not belittling anything. No, no, no. But no, I, no. I, you know, this whole thing has been, oh, he was in hospital. Mm, yeah, not really. No, no, I, and, I agree. And, but but, yeah, no, if you, if but you if his team, if his team's going to make a big fuss about a 51G impact, then in some sports, he'd be out for a fortnight. He would not be racing this weekend. Yeah. Simple as that. There would be yeah. no ifs or buts on maybes. And sometimes highly driven sports people have to be oh, protected 100%, from yeah, 100%. themselves. And a fired up Max at Hungaro Ring this weekend, if there is any fallout from it, then Formula One is going to look a bit stupid, isn't it? Yeah, I thing is, though, I get the impression from everything I've heard that uh, Horner and Marco are significantly more fired up than Max is. I think Max has taken it on the chin and gone, fine, yeah, that's happened. Yeah, mm. I don't like it. Um, I'm, I'm uh, probably not looking forward to tomorrow, but he's got to talk about it endlessly in front of the press. Mm. Um, and he'll just get on with it. This is the, this is, yeah, the plus point of, of, of how Max has matured mostly this year or the last couple of years. Um, hopefully, he'll have learned about the, um, you know, the keeping a lead rather than keeping a corner. Right. And, of uh, course, uh, that uh, <laughs> medical helicopter affected someone else's race, didn't they? With uh, yeah, Nicholas Latifi claiming he was nearly sucked off by the uh, force of it flying overhead. Was it Latifi? I thought it was Lance Stroll. I oh, it was Stroll. Stroll. Yes, he, 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 the uh, I knew it was a Canadian. And it wasn't, he's was blown rather than sucked. Yeah, uh, there's subtle difference. It was a blowjob, that was what it was. Yeah. Which Down driver draft. gets stressed watching Ooh, his brother thing. as we move on? Charles? It is Charles. 
quite an easy one, that, wasn't it? That was. Really, there's not many brothers knocking about these days. So uh, You'd be surprised. There are a lot of brothers in the world, obviously. But I mean, not <laughs> all driving. Not many drivers have brothers who are also driving. So, uh, yeah, well done. Uh, who thinks that uh, Valtteri Bottas will be going to Alfa Romeo next season? Just about everybody, apparently. It's the latest rumour. Yes. I like the new room, apparently, that, that Mercedes is going to put Nick de Vries in at, at uh, Williams. Who thinks that Valtteri Bottas should go back to Williams? No one. Jensen Button. I don't think he should. No, we see, I I thought that might happen too. I, mean, no, no, I think there's a very good chance it should happen. I, I like the idea of him at Alpha more, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, Alpha need a bit of a kick well, that's the a, That's a Ferrari team. Yeah, but it doesn't mean Matt wants you out of contract with one team or the other, does it? And also, there's no there's no transferable knowledge between this year and next year because the cars are totally different. Ah, that's a fair point. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I think Mercedes are looking to place um, someone that, at uh, Williams. Would that not be a Russell. chance for Mercedes to pay back Valtteri and say your team leader at at, at Williams helped develop the car, I bring somebody new on? I think the eleven million dollars they've been paying for the last six years for relatively neutral performance. I'm not going to say underperformance, but neutral performance is probably payment okay. enough. No, I, I, it's not but, six years, but it's you, five years. But you know what I'm saying? No, I, no, I, I, think, I, I do think that Valtteri is, is actually well respected, um, as he should be, um, within Mercedes, and, and they appreciate what he does. And I'm, I'm absolutely certain that Toto wants to make sure he has a drive that inspires him next year if it's not the drive for Mercedes, which isn't decided yet, but seems to be decreasing by the second. Who celebrates his 40th birthday today? Patrick Long. Who celebrates his 40th birthday tomorrow? Uh, Fernando Alonso. Well done, yes. Wow. See, we got we bo- <laughs> both had our areas <laughs> there and we combined perfectly. As if we were putting a pagoda, a patio and a fence alongside a Don't pickleball court. And a tennis court. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to have to talk to Shay about what heck pickleball is. It's like tennis, but we played with hard bats. Right. And softballs. Uh, which team is uh, focusing entirely on 2022? All of them. Uh, which ones admitted it? Alpine. Alpine. Who's feeling fed up at the moment? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, ooh, a few could be in that. You're going to have to help me out on this one. Because uh, people could be fed up. Uh, Esteban Ocon? No, the other one. <laughs> Forgotten the other Frenchman. Alpha Tauri. Uh, Oh yes, Pierre Gasly. Yes, Pierre he's, Gasly. He's, he's, got, he's been going. No, as much as I said in my team by team last week, they've been going nowhere over yep. the last two or three races. Um, yeah, there's a rumour he's trying to uh, he's trying to uh, see whether he can get himself a ride at uh, McLaren. He's just wait a year because Ricardo's got a two year contract. Rob Chalmers makes a good point actually. Alpha is now a Stellantis brand, uh, so not as beholden to Ferrari as before, except of course for engines. Yeah, they have. To, they no longer have to take so the a branding. However. Obviously, taking a driver has significant financial advantage to Alpha, and also Ferrari has some quite good drivers to give them. So if you turned Ferrari up, Ferrari have a load of drivers. If you have Bottas and Eilat, or Bottas and Schwartzman, you kind of go, "That's not a bad combination." Significantly better, I think. Than Raikkonen, the Raikkonen and Giovinazzi. I think Eilat's already been earmarked in for, for the that Ipica. Mm. I mean, there's you know, a really, really, really good F2 guy who doesn't have a space. He's absolutely perfect. Obviously, they can get the key of sharing a car. It's absolutely perfect for that pro- for those programs. All the programs that are coming up. Talking to a few team managers and team owners in LMP2 at the moment, saying that the only place that they can fi- they think they'll be able to find finance to run a privateer hypercar. Um, from any of the manufacturers, even if it's an LMDH, would be from 
um, wealthy fathers of F2 drivers who aren't going any f further and they can buy the whole car for less than it costs them to run a two car. $3 million dollars for well, F2 drive? Yeah, but they normally buy both cars, don't they? Do they? Why yes, they apparently so. And resell the second one? Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, apparently so. I had no idea about that. They the oh. normally buy the team, effectively, for the year. Which uh, driver will we see in free practice one at Hungary? Oh, I don't know. I'm sorry. I have no idea. I guess Roy Nissany. No. Uh, Robert Kubica. Robert Kubica is the correct answer. His third outing for the team. Uh, Robert Kubica's waiting. <laughs> is he talking Italian? Yes. <laughs> probably yeah, sure not. Probably Italian. speaking he's Polish. He's an absolute polygot. He's brilliant, isn't he? Mm. Uh, speaks really good German as well and English. Um, where did Lewis Hamilton score his first win for Mercedes? I know, I know, I know. His first win for Mercedes? Mm-hmm. Hungary. Uh, it was a Hungary win, yes. Where I did he score his 10th overall uh, victory in Formula 1? John? Uh, I think that might be... The Hungaro ring. That was also the Hungaro ring. Uh, what two records could he break at the Hungaro ring this weekend? Well, uh, he could extend the one Spice record. Girls first <laughs> album. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he smashed that over the head of him. Uh, he has a chance to reach 100 Grand Prix wins, and he has a chance to win the mo which is the most number of wins which he already has, but a reach a significant number. And if he wins the race, it'll be his ninth win at the Hungaro ring and break the record for most wins at a single event. Ooh, get you with your Formula oh, no. One facts. Oh, but by the way, if you are unfortunate enough to listen to Sky Sport, they'll be ro rolled out non-stop by Crofty and his. Let's get a fact in for the sake of it a section. <laughs> Tomorrow night at 8 on RS1. It's a Yay! simcast, and this week they're looking at the Codemasters new Grid Legends trailer, Forza Horizon 5 Biomes, and Hot Wheels Unleashed. Uh, that's with Matt and Jordan this week. Now and, and are they doing the next couple of weeks, aren't they? There's a, there's a, a bit of a, a UK team double, I think, coming up on that. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah, I think I think so. Oh, I think so. I'll check. I, I'll check I have on that. heard I, there's I a little there's a there's a little bit of um, competition between the UK team and the US team uh, really? because uh, Matt asked me yesterday. Uh, if uh, I could provide him with some audience figures to prove his theory oh. that the UK shows get more listeners than the uh, US shows. Ooh. Get them! Scratch uh, your eyes out, last, America. Listen, last chance to vote in our Cayman Islands cuisine. Have you voted? No. Didn't know I could. No, you can't. I'm normally banned from voting all our things. No, no, you can vote. And as you're going to end up eating it, probably. Oh, in which case, I'd, I'd, I would, I'd have either the chicken or the lobster. I don't, the fish, 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 fish. It's not for me. You can't <laughs> okay. even say fish fritters, so you don't fish, want fritter, to eat fritter, them. Fritter, 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 fritter. They're fresh fr fish fritters made from freshly filleted fish. Forever. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, finally, oh, uh, we promised finally, some... Uh, Rallying and Rallycross news. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, do you want to go? I do. do go? Uh, go because it's been announced that Croft Circuit will not host rallying or rallycross next season. Hmm. Which is bad because, of course, they were the centre of the revival of rallycross a few years ago. Uh, the Internations Cup there back in the... A long time um, ago, was it? Yeah, it was a long time ago. <laughs> so in October, the clocks had gone back and finished nearly <laughs> in the dark. <laughs> and I remember the massive flames from uh, Martin Shanker's tailpipe. 
Yeah, too much he, he shouldn't have had that curry, should he? No. <laughs> Uh, one of the biggest names in uh, World Rallycross was there, Demi Mavropoulos. Not much bigger name than that. Um, that's Dex's joke. Copyright Declan Brennan, that one. Um, who else was there? Uh, we had uh, oh, RS200, a go-go. I mean, they were quite common. There was Lancia Delta S4 there, which I think was Matty Alamarki who was driving one of those. Mm. That was turbocharged and supercharged. It was one of, if not still for me, the greatest motorsport events I've spectated at. We, uh, we were absolutely trackside. You were getting sprayed with gravel every time they went by, standing on the top of the, on the, top of the banks. Ah, oh, it was magnificent. When I was alive. <laughs> anyway. And on my way home, uh, I yes, bought yes. three pounds of sweets <laughs> for a thruppity bit. And I had a fish and chips. For a penny. Out of newspaper. For a penny. I went back and had four pints of uh, Motley's Red Barrel. Uh, yeah, the only problem is, of course, that modern rally cross rips the tarmac up and they just spent a huge amount of money. And 750 out. grand, yeah. And uh, Joe missed the last bus and... Uh, <laughs> yeah, Joe, Mr. And Joe, at 11 years old, missed the last bus from Darlington and had to ring his dad up to get him to come down to Darlow to pick him up and take him back to Sunderland. And that was the only reason that they knew. He, actually, I think he was a bit older by then, but he'd been gone since he was 11 with his cheese and chutney sandwiches in his Tupperware box. Um, Bradders. Anyway, running yeah, and rally cross are uh, less financially viable than circuit racing, as they've just says. Uh, who? No, it costs more money. That's what it is. Se- and, it's and the cost of repairing after the, they've done it. There is an irony on this because it sounds like this is being um, fairly cynical about it, but they have just spent three hundred uh, seven hundred and fifty grand, I think it is. Yes, um, on, the, on, on the resurfacing the, the track, track. Um, and that's their core business. Quite. Uh, obviously, and Ben Taylor, who yeah, who runs is, Croft, is very much yes, well, someone who knows all about rallying. He knows all about rallying because he used to run a GB Rally. Yes, for five years he did that, and yeah, he no, also ran the British Rally Championship in a previous life as well. Yes, I've, I've got a feeling he's a former pilot, actually. Um, but I remember working with Ben down through the years on a number of projects, um, including British Rally Championship. So he knows all about it. Uh, Brody has just uh, tweeted, <laughs> fish and chips on the way back from Croft. We were lucky to get a hot, handful of hot gravel. Yeah, yeah, it's very Old good. men repeating Monty Python. Doesn't make us all funny. Actually, that was a 1948 show. Yeah, was originally? it? Yeah. yeah. It was redone for Python. Oh, really? Only, Python only did it on their stage shows. Originally a sketch, not, not, not the four Yorkshiremen. Yeah. Three Yorkshiremen, two Yorkshiremen and Yorkshire his dog. Was, yes. um, that's it. For this evening, one more thing. All right, go on then. Uh, I, I would very briefly mention the Northwest 200. Right um, now, there hasn't been a Northwest 200 this year, and there wasn't one last year. And um, last year, the uh, I'm just trying to uh, the event director uh, retired and has not yet been replaced. Mm-hmm. And this week, the event operations manager has been made redundant. Oh, dear. Um, that doesn't board well, does it? And has not been replaced. Um, so, will there be Northwest 200s in the future? Uh, they claim Hope so. yes, and they have put forward a provisional date of May the 14th for 2022s. Uh, but who will be running it? We do not know. Back to the Cayman Islands. It's one of the events I want to get to. Yes. Menu. Come on, then. Yes. What's Did the you final vote? vote? 
Did you Ford? I didn't because I, I want I want the um, sans opinion option that is so popular in French polls. Uh, I've I've just uh, consulted with our independent adjudicators by shouting down from the studio, uh, and I just She's said, "What's the with food?" Jerk. Yeah, she did. She did. But, uh, all I asked was, "What's, what's the food reserve?" <laughs> but what's the one exactly? Uh, it's jerk chicken next week. Then Nick, Are you happy with that? Are you happy with that? Yes, I'm happy with that. It's, it, it, it sounds like a, a fabulously spicy chicken dish, which I shall devour with pleasure. And I'm waiting to see what the Cayman Islands are putting it. Well, we, Ho- hopefully, um, we it'll be served with some rice, which will be brown right. and fluffy. Yeah. Okay. And uh, rum. R- and uh, then, do you know what? I've got some rum. I do have some rum, yes. I'm thinking about maybe uh, And then dessert will be some something with uh, maybe... Uh, coconut pineapple fritters pineapple fritters in a rum sauce how do you like the sound of that <laughs> yes obviously okay <laughs> it's a pudding all right I, I, it's it's one of my it's one of my old staples from what, back from 1972 back in the day <laughs> yes back in the day uh, rice and beans I'm told will be served with the jerk chicken oh this is getting better all the time all right uh, right we've run over a little bit thank you to uh, or cornmeal fritters. Thank you to Sam Smith for joining us earlier on. You can read uh, his thoughts on Formula E and other things too, because he's a font of knowledge. Uh, on uh, the race, the website, the race, uh, wherever you are at the weekend, it is the Silverstone Classic. Uh, a number of RSL uh, voices taking part in that, including Peter Snowden. Uh, Alex Brundle's in the same race as me, but going in a much faster car. That's the only reason he's going to be faster than me, uh, by the way. And there the is a YouTube... Power. All about the horsepower. He's just got a much bigger engine than me. Mm. Um, and several more cylinders. Mm. Mm. So you can stop that. Um, go and get where where are you slices. this weekend, Nick? Uh, I am standing in front of sitting in front of a computer, virtually managing some conferences in America. Believe it or not, oh, yeah, really? you like this one. It's I'm doing the Gifted and Learning Child Foundation. Can you imagine anything worse than people talk about how gifted their children are for nine hours on Sunday? Not something you would ever do. No, well, I did do one time. Um, no, you did. That's why I said that. That's why I said that. Uh, YouTube, oh, Silverstone Classic. Me. <laughs> YouTube Silverstone Classic Live if you want to tune in on Friday and Saturday. I'm in the Yokohama Trophy Race along with Till Bechtelsheimer. Thanks, Till, uh, for uh, letting me come and uh, drive your lovely Chevron B8. Uh, that's it. There's no time to explain. The Llama is off shopping for rice, beans and jerk seasoning. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, subscribe to Midweek Motorsport wherever you get your podcasts.